This is Eddie, and this is Gage, and this is Two Dudes in a Podcast. And we're recording. Yo, this is Eddie. And this is Gage. And welcome to Two Boys in a Podcast. Brown. <laughs> well, uh, we'll get the cue and music. Cue, cue musical sting. Let's put this a little further away from us. Yeah, it's pretty loud. Did you check the thing on Anchor? I don't I don't know if... Did you, actually, besides us, <laughs> unfortunately, did anybody else watch the podcast or listen to the podcast? I don't think so. I sent Ori the the episode because she asked me the same thing. She's like, do you guys have any listeners? And I said, I knew. <laughs> Other than us? Uh, no. <laughs> Yeah. We're our biggest fans. Yeah, exactly. We got three listens. <laughs> so it's <laughs> so Ori listened to her. It? Yeah. Damn. She's gonna listen to it tonight, maybe. I think. I don't know. So three plays on our last episode. I, I hope. Our... I hope she uh, enjoys all the time. I said fucking like in that episode. Yeah, like smash that like button. <laughs> <Absolutely> <laughs> eviscerate that like button. Yeah, th- this this episode I'll I'll audit how many times or limit myself to how many times I say it. I feel like if we had a full setup with like separate mics and headphones, then we would start hearing ourselves more. That but, would uh, be better. I'll, I think that'll be the next thing I invest in. Because I just bought all of my upholstery stuff. And I'm super excited about it. So, is it just for that chair? Downstairs? Oh, I mean, it, it'll be for that chair and then future projects as well. Uh, some of the stuff that I bought is more permanent. You know, so we have... You you have your... They're called sawhorses. But these aren't, like, the traditional ones you would see in an upholstery, like, warehouse. Mm-hmm. Like, you see, I'm doing the light thing already. <clears throat> uh, it's... They're they're more carpenter style. So they're, they're just metal sawhorses. But the, the thing I don't like about them is they don't have a groove that goes around. So if I accidentally hit my chair in the wrong way, it can just like fall off completely. And oh, I don't geez. want that to happen. So I might I might try to do some finessing and go to my internship and see if they can make me a little a little indent for my sawhorses. So, I so a sawhorse is like a stand for your furniture? Yeah. So they, they come they come in sets essentially. So you have <clears throat> two come in a set. Yeah. So that's how they work. And then you can adjust them depending on how big or long the your your furniture pieces. Okay. Usually like really big uh, sofas, you'll have three or four, depending on how big they are. Okay. Sometimes it's more beneficial because that'll distribute some of the weight. And if you're reupholstering a uh, let's say a, a really long, a grand sofa, which is 80 inches long, or it can be more more than 80 inches long, um, and it only has two sawhorses to really support its weight, then that can fuck up the um, the. Yeah, wouldn't it like bow the, in the middle? It would, yeah. Well, no, no, the frame is strong, so it won't bow. But the um, the cushioning, the the hard cushioning oh. that's on it, can be indented. Oh, and if you yeah, damage sure. that when you don't need to replace it, then that's just extra work everybody has to do. So true. But yeah, I didn't consider that. You know, I was just thinking about you the other day when I was Aww. walking down the street, uh, no homo. But uh, <laughs> making my way downtown. No, I was I was walking to work, in one of my works. Humble brag. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, and. I was looking at those, like, Boston police barricades, those, like, wooden A-frames that they mm-hmm. put up for, like, blocking off the road, and I was thinking, like, if I have a home, that's the kind of thing I would want my furniture to be made out of. Like, I'd want a dining room table 
with like a glass top but underneath the support is like those a-frames boston yeah the bo- like the blue boston police uh police barricades with like a nice i i feel like i said glass because i feel like you'd have to be be able to appreciate it to like see it underneath so i feel like when i'm all like rich and famous and shit and you're like you're definitely like a signature artist when it comes to furniture be like craftsman be like multi-billionaire director writer gage morrow contracts uh dear friend eddie to uh construct him a a wonderful unique piece from the boston police department uh, all proceeds go to the you know blah, 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 whatever but i just saw him because like that would be fucking, posters. Yeah. yeah right and the fucking the, the 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 fire insurance of America fucking uh, but yeah I don't know it's just like I feel like that'd be a really cool piece of furniture to have because I always like the found item shit like when yeah. people take I think I know that's like the like all of what Pinterest is but it's like fucking um, ooh we found some pallets and we made them into a coffee table oh. you know but like I also like the resin casts people do with like um imperfect wood like when they take a slice down the middle of a tree and it's got this gnarly like knot in the middle of it mm. and they filled that with like uh like a pale blue resin yeah so it looks like a river going through oh, their coffee table i actually i actually followed uh, a hashtag that a lot of that I, I think it's just called um hashtag furniture making or furniture construction something like that and I've seen a good amount of those where they take the trunk of the tree and yeah. they'll they'll pop they'll saw off the hard parts. Yeah. Uh, or not saw off, but sand off the hard parts, smooth it out, and then they'll dip a resin and then mm-hmm. the resin will harden, they'll separate it, polish the resin, and then then they have their mold for the glass piecing. Yeah, dude, it's fucking dope. It is really cool. Or they do this other thing where they'll take the trunk and then they'll cut it in quarters and then they'll turn them in in like I see what the, you're saying the now. corners will be out. Yep. So then that's the defined table, and then whatever like jagged piece, then that they'll set the resin in there. Got it. And then they'll make a glass impression, and then have that as the tabletop. It's pretty dope. So it's a good integration between the wood and the glass. Yeah, I mean, I follow just because I like constructions and stuff like that. R slash woodworking on Reddit, and they have a lot of those resin casts. And I thought I was hot shit, and I was gonna make a resin piece for Ori. Like, <clears throat> I found this is gonna sound really morbid. But last year, there was an animal that died on the train tracks where I hike around. Wow. It was like a fox or something like that. But it, at first, it was just like a bunch of, like, it was just a corpse. Like, it was like a carcass. And, like, you know, flies were on it and shit. It was kind of gross. But then an entire year passed. <clears throat> and this summer, I was hiking. And in the same spot was just the bones. Oh, that's not... And they, they just that's... dropped onto the train track undisturbed, which is so weird. Like, you'd imagine someone, like, just the bones, where the animal had died, just the bones fell right underneath it. So I took a couple of the vertebrates, the, the vertebrae. I used, like, a doggy, like, poop bag so to make sure I wasn't actually touching it, and then I put it in, like, brown paper. I was made sure I didn't, you know, whatever. And I got home, I used some little See, peroxide to, to, to sterilize it. But then I cast it in resin, mm-hmm. in a clear resin. But I've never used resin before, so I was really just eyeballing it, and I didn't have, like, a square container to keep it in. Oh. So I was like, I'll get a Fiji bottle. I'll cut off the head, <laughs> right? Because the Fiji bottles are square. The Fiji water bottle, not a sponsor. Um, and I cut <laughs> off the head of it, and then I filled it, and it worked. But then I forgot my high school chemistry class when we're talking about polymer structures and creating plastics. And whenever you're combining, because it was a two-part resin you just mix part a equal parts a equal parts b it's a clear resin you know but what i forgot was 
And meanwhile, I was trying to work it so that the bone wouldn't flow to the top. But then it actually started to sink to the bottom because it saturated with the resin. But that wasn't even my biggest problem because I finally found it in an equilibrium. You know, I kind of disturbed it enough. It has like about 40 minutes work time. And so finally the bone just kind of stayed suspended in the little bottle. And I made two ca two casts just in case. I was like, I'll pick whatever ones I like the most. And I came back the next, like I woke up the next morning because I just kept the casts in my room. Or no, this was in the middle of the day. It takes tw 10 to 12 hours to cure. So it's a completely set. Pause for skateboarders. Um, I came back like later in the day, like five hours later or whatever, and I forgot that whenever you're creating new plastics or whenever you're creating new polymers, the energy uh, given off by chemicals combining is extremely violent and like high energy. It's a high energy process. So it got like too hot to touch. Ooh. So it got so hot that it morphed the Fiji bottle out of its square form and into this bulbous, like it tipped itself over. At this point it was hardened enough. It wouldn't, it's not going to pour out, but it was so hot. Like it's so hot that it like, if you imagine what it looks like when you throw a, wa a water bottle in the fire and the butt comes out and it just kind of like expands into that like perfect sphere and then it pops. Like that's what happened to the square bottom of the Fiji bottle so then i like fucking thought on the fly when i cut it open and took it out of the casting i flipped it upside down like look now it's a snow globe because <laughs> it had that like rounded off figure she has it in her room it's pretty cool but the problem is like the bubbles that were trying to escape they were accelerated by the heat of it you know because you saw some bubbles escaping you're like okay it's going to be a clear resin but then when it cured it looked like an explosion from the bone so you could barely tell that it was a vertebrae oh okay. but you could kind of tell but there's so many bubbles coming out of it because the heat like pulled all the moisture out it it like made it kind of made it like boil almost on the inside and i picked those stupidest material to drop in something if i didn't want bubbles coming out i picked a porous hard thing like I was rethinking it. I was like, maybe next time I would have put like a clear coat of nail polish or whatever to seal up the holes and then mm. put it in. But this isn't a fucking, fucking bone podcast. I just thought oh, that was yeah. cool because it was like the craftiest thing I've done besides no, no Neil deGrasse Tyson science podcast. Yeah, fucking. I was actually thinking about going through uh, some of the podcasts that we listened to or actually what, what was podcast. the yeah I know right Me going meta into it what was the first podcast well how did you get into podcasting um listening to podcasts that's interesting for our viewers because or listeners <laughs> do you listen I used to listen to like iHeartRadio listeners like, <laughs> the listen first time listener last time caller <laughs> um no I used to be I used to listen to music all the time but then I don't know, like podcasts seem like such an old man thing, like radio to me. You know, like who listens to people talk all the time? And I would listen to like iHeartRadio on shuffle. I would just listen to like alt rock music or whatever. But after a time, I realized I was listening to the same songs over and over again. And it's like people don't create songs. At, the turnover rate for new songs is not is not anywhere near what it is for podcasts. People make daily podcasts, but people take like years to make a new album. And so. I, it actually all started with, I think it started with the Lost Podcast. Oh yeah. What are they called? Um, the first time show, with Steve Saragoza and Brett Register and Owen Carter, and I liked them because I was watching, you know, this this guy Steve Saragoza on YouTube, and he was talking about on his YouTube channel a podcast that he was starting, mm. and because like I don't know if you remember SourceFed when that was around. It was like a news 
channel thing that kind of got bought up by Seeker, whatever, but Steve Jargo was part of it. And I thought he was the fucking funniest guy ever on YouTube. And so he said, oh, my podcast. So I'm like, well, you know, I don't usually listen to podcasts, but I'll listen to his. And then just over time, like, people would come onto his podcast. And then so I would go check out their podcast, you know, like, uh, uh, what's it called? Um... Not a joke or or something like that. No joke with uh, Adam. Oh, fuck, I forgot their names. But yeah, different podcasts with different themes, and I realized I like that more because it's just like the personalities of the people, and I realized I like more long form content, like hour long, you know, two hour long, because I would go on a lot of walks, mm-hmm. and so music really didn't cut it, and I was able to download podcasts ahead of time, so I didn't have to worry about like signal dropping out whatever. And then when I got into Joe Rogan podcast, that's just kind of like the get the like the gateway drug for like all of like science and entertainment podcasting because he has such a spectrum of people on his show that you'll find someone interesting there and it'll branch out into like a million different pieces. We have the million different podcasts listed. Yeah, eight degrees of separation type thing. Pretty much. And I would just use like the podcast apps like explore page and be like mm-hmm. um sure. you know, there was there was like story based podcasts like um not darkest hour i think so or like you know there's some there were some some fantasy sci-fi ones like welcome to night vale was very popular mm-hmm. but yeah i just kind of like listening to podcasts over that and then once you find new people you have it's hard to run out of content you know now i listen to like chris D'Elia's podcast and tom segura's joe rogan's and yeah. true Sure. Where'd you where'd you spell his name? And Gary V. You can't forget the Gary. You can't, can't forget the V. Forget the Gary V. But Gary V. is a podcast, or the the way he uploads it is the same way, or the same concept as how he uploads or puts content on Instagram. Mm-hmm. You know, boom, push it out, push it out, push it out. Yeah, he does but, make a lot of. I mean, that's he's built the infrastructure around him for that. He really has. But, so you're really ex- not really expecting anything less than that. But he's also been doing this since like no one was around to listen to him, mm-hmm. anyways. Which kind of gives. And he's fucking right about gives it. Gives hope, you know, because he'll like just post stuff from like I posted this ten, ten years ago. I posted this nine years ago. I did this, this, that, and the other, and it's like, yeah, damn, he really has been for like that's the only way you can really prove yourself is to show someone a decade later and be like, look, I did this thing. <laughs> Like, instead of, like, oh, I'm thinking about doing this, like, like a lot of my classes at school now for production and stuff are going to be a lot more helpful for me because it's, like, holding you accountable for your art mm-hmm. and making you actually make something. And then that thing has to not only be made, but it isn't just, like, a pat on the back, but it's, like, let's hold the, your feet to the fire and see how this actually holds up and get actual feedback on your creative piece. Yeah, but that's true. Yeah, for for me, the way I first got into podcasting was so for at night when I can't go to sleep, I usually binge through YouTube, and I I watch those like clickbaity YouTube uh, videos where I actually follow. Um, it's called Top Fives on YouTube. I don't know if you follow them, but he he makes these. Almost, almost clickbaity type videos, but he does a pretty good job in scripting them, and is always you know top five, you know animals that were apparently extinct, or top five you know, seen, most crazy paranormal experiences you know seen by people, and so on and so forth. It's like and then, Watch Mojo. Exactly, exactly, 
but more but more clickbait um and so he would do a lot of missing per like top fives missing people and i was just so interested in that so i would just go through this rabbit hole of finding other youtubers that would have missing people's you know youtube videos and then the one thing that like bothered me was i i was like i just want to to see a youtube video or listen to a case that just displayed all the evidence about a missing person profile or murder because I, I hate just a just the overview you know here are the top bulletin points about oh they were killed this year and it's been 30 years since their murder has been solved like been unsolved yeah so i i literally typed that into youtube i was like um you know missing persons case with all the evidence listed and then um oh fuck i just forgot the pod, podcast name but trace evidence came up and i first started to listen to steven pacheco who's the host of it i first started to listen to him on youtube and then uh i would listen to him as i was going to work on youtube but then it wasn't effective because i would mm. keep accidentally you can't play youtube Dude. without uh, like okay without the confines yeah, finish, of being in youtube finish your point and i'll, I'll actually like i'll go on on that point because there's something i discovered today that's even deeper than that but yeah but anyways so i then I, then i was like oh wait uh, there's an app for podcasts so i downloaded the app and then i i found him uh, trace evidence on the podcast and literally the first podcast I started to follow and listen to on a daily basis but I don't listen to him that, that much because I do get pretty paranoid about being you're gonna get kid. captured seriously dude I walk my dog five in the morning before the sun comes yeah, up the only thing is you're like a big this is guy. a safe neighborhood man but you never know yeah you're in a nice Jewish neighborhood <laughs> you're, uh, you're pretty good but yeah you have to worry more about these like wild turkeys that have no apex predators to take yeah out. I know you ever like you ever see the goose the geese sorry you ever see the geese when you're walking around and they're just in your way and they got such a fucking stuck up look on their face like they know they can't be harmed like yeah not, i just want to kick them in the neck dude just want to fucking i want to fucking rko one of those geese. <laughs> dude why is it and only in boston will you see this maybe in fucking toronto i don't know why the canadians are so polite but the geese will just straight up cross the road like on the crosswalk yeah they'll, they'll know what a crosswalk is but they don't they don't wait for it to be walk. Like, obviously, they're fucking foul. Yeah, they haven't evolved to understand our signals Yeah, I know, but they haven't evolved to understand the red, or the orange hand or the walkie man, yeah. you know. But but it's funny because it's like the cars will honk at them, but it's like you're just, it sounds like a goose honk. So you're just saying like, hey, <laughs> hey, what's hey. up, dude? Yeah, it's like, hang, hang, hang. Ooh, it's a German honk. Cool, it's from an Audi. No, but, like, you just see how they just, they walk around, like, their shit doesn't sink. Or, like, it's not everywhere on the campuses and stuff. They'll go around eating acorns and grass, and they'll just fucking leave green diarrhea all over your fucking quad. And you have to, like, step through it with your, your Yeezys that like, you just bought. Like, walk through a <laughs> Pretty much, dude. They're fucking annoying. And then they have the audacity to fucking hiss at me. Like, get your kids out of my way. I don't want to yeah. fucking be near you either. <laughs> Stupid shit. Very local. That, that reminds me of the uh, the mockumentary. Oh yeah. In the competition about the geese. That could have been such a good movie. It could have. They had their they had their chance. Yeah. But um. Bunch of constraints. <laughs> but you know, uh, what was I saying? Oh, the YouTube thing. I noticed today that if I click out of a YouTube video, so if I 
I'm on. I have an Android. If I'm watching a YouTube video, like a news video, or like a a culinary episode of something, and I click the home button on my screen, it'll actually create like a little picture in picture that I can keep watching YouTube while going through other apps. Kind of like if you're on Facebook Messenger, how you can have the little thing. That could be. So that happened to me, and I thought, okay, cool, I can do this with music too. I think the restriction is when it's on like music channels and maybe podcast channels as well. Because I tried listening to. I have Spotify, and I tried listening to Empire State of Mind with Jay-Z and Alicia Keys, but because Jay-Z helped found Tidal, he doesn't have any of his music on Spotify, Yeah. except for minorly featured songs like Click with Kanye West. And so I tried listening to New York State of Mind without, you know, without opening shit on my phone, but I had to go to YouTube to see that shitty, like... 2006 you know quality video and and watch it and I tried clicking out like I usually do for all the other videos because I'm so used to it but then I realized like oh it, it like restricts it on because then when you click back into the app they hit you with the do you want to try YouTube bread free for one week oh I fucking hate that Dude. no because they, they monitor what you're doing with your phone so they know you clicked out of the app and they know when you came back you, you wanted to keep listening and they're like they hit you with the you want YouTube bread because you don't have to keep doing that mm-hmm. it's like they have the technology I've seen them do it I can do the picture in picture and that's the thing is like with YouTube Red like they have the technology to let me click out of it but it's like a mob it's like a mafia guy's like hey man I know you like your YouTube videos it'd be a shame if someone turned it off when you turned your phone off like <laughs> yeah. that was always the most annoying thing is like you're playing a song and you forget that it's YouTube and you just click the ho- like the, the off button and then everything cuts out like, ah fuck I God, forgot this wasn't like you know whatever but yeah it's it's, it's dumb annoying but you know Whatever. The fucking YouTube. Yeah, no shit. But the podcast is... It's interesting how we've gone so far in the evolution of storytelling as human beings. I mean, we're good at that. We've ultimately come back to voice. We're good at that. Like, it used to be we just sat around the fire and told each other stories about the fucking Oog and Schnoog and what they did all day and <laughs> fucking no one gives a shit. Gilgamesh. Yeah. <laughs> Gilgamesh. Oh, the fucking I actually have Gilgamesh. the the book. Um, humble Brag? Yeah, the, yeah Humble Brag. The, the actual epic of Autographed by the author who translated it. Autographed by the Mesopotamian themselves. Yes. <laughs> fucking In Meso- a... the Mesopotato man himself. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty cool because before my my school closed down, um, the author author slash well you can't say author the um, transcriber the transcriber thank you he lived like right around the corner dank yeah so he would do a for our world mythology class which I still actually have my world myth class that's like one of my favorite classes I've ever take took. Taking tough. Jokity. Yeah, we're in an English major. Yeah, I'm an English major. Yeah, I just design stuff, so technically I don't have to. I don't. I don't need to speak with my words. I right? speak with the language of design, bro. Yeah. You just don't understand. You really don't. But yeah, he every semester he would come to do a, a book reading and do take. He would like choking now uh he would take passages and then he would go more in depth mm. and he would talk about the the way they would try to transcribe it where it's be as accurate as possible but at the same time make sense to the reader so it was it was a little a back and forth but it's the first myth Man. of gilgamesh is it's a poem mm-hmm. you know it's one of those like dante's inferno type poems yeah so yeah you ever but, think about like being misunderstood tens of thousands of years from now 
Mm-hmm. Like, we have such weird, even just like American English, we have such weird turns of phrases that wouldn't necessarily mean what they sound like they mean. Like, oh man, you know, I put my foot in my mouth, you know, when you say something stupid. But if you were to write that down in a society of like, of more, a well, you know, higher civilization, tens of thousands of years from now, separated by like a nuclear holocaust or something, somehow like, you know, our servers were still functional and they got like documents out of there and they somehow didn't get, you know, I don't know, you see these documents and it's just, imagine if you see like a story of someone and you're like, yeah, and that's when I really put my foot in my mouth and then like what they would interpret that as, like... Like, oh, you know, the act of shame was uh, these humans thousands of years ago, whenever they were shamed, they would walk around with their actual foot in their mouth to uh, to silence themselves because, you know, the, 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 their tribes would, would cast them out or whatever. And, and so they, they showed, shame. like, fealty to the to the gods or whatever. It's yeah. like, no, it's just being Derek being an idiot. Yep. <laughs> but it's, I don't know, because then it makes me think of, like, what if we don't understand necessarily what they, you know, even if you decode the language, do you... Are you getting the full story? Like, Ooh. maybe they're just talking about how they... I don't know. Where's the Rosetta Stone? Yeah, I know. That's interesting, too. Like, the, the foresight of people to translate mm. and engrave it in stone. So it's like, hey, we couldn't understand these guys either, so we lived with them for, like, a couple decades, and now I know how to translate this from, you know, what was it? It was... Was it Arabic, Greek, and Latin? Those were the three languages on the Rosetta? Stuff. Was it? I thought it was just two. I thought it was um, definitely Greek for one of them. And maybe, maybe it was Arabic? Well, I'm not sure. That sounds about right. Or maybe it was hieroglyphs? You you know, no, not hieroglyphs. Young Jamie? <laughs> yeah, you want to look this up? research? Uh, I'm going to definitely chop this one up, but... So, you know the the Spanish conquest when the Spaniards were going through all of... No one expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> yeah, that one. Yeah. Um, I forgot who it was. What group of natives that the conquistadors were, you know... Oh, fuck you, Rosetta Stone. The, the company. <laughs> the actual company? Yeah. Oh, here we go. So... Actually, that was actually so there wasn't no real Rosetta Stone. It was actually the box Rosetta Stone itself. <laughs> Imagine the fucking archaeologists. They like chip away, and this like bright yellow box shines through the stone. Yep. Ah, oh, fuck you! I want to get lessons one through three on this one. All right, guys. Oh Jesus! Fucking repeat after me. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's why I just continue. I'm just trying to find the languages. Hold on. Oh, here we go. While you're taking this sip of your water. The top and middle texts are in ancient Egyptian using hieroglyphic script and demotic script, uh, respectfully, while the bottom is ancient Greek. Oh, damn. This thing is huge. Is it? Let me see. Wait, just kidding, actually. <laughs> Got him. They, okay, they over... Uh. Oh, here we go. 45 inch by 28 inch by 11 inch. Oh, okay. I mean, it's a pretty sizable piece of rock. That's decent. That's like the size of a small person. <laughs> not a... Not a, a midget. A little, you know. Not a little person. Whoa, dude. Come on. It's not PC, bro. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's obviously a Mac installment of Rosetta Stone. A <laughs> Mac <laughs> installment. But yeah... But anyways, so in millimeters. That's what they're they, So the the conquistadors were asking the natives uh, about the landscape, and then they saw this lake that was like, oh, can you tell us what that lake is? And I forgot. Uh, I gotta look this up because it, 
the natives said what they what the conquistador interpreted as the name of the lake but in reality when the conquistador said what's the name of that lake in the natives language they were saying that thing as in like you mean that thing over there and then they took what that word meant in their language and named the lake after that Damn so the, so the lake literally means oh that thing over there <laughs> oh that thing over there fucking <laughs> yeah. and if you look on your right lake oh that thing over there yeah. uh founded by the spaniards in uh 1213 uh sorry i was just looking at what the material of the rosetta stone was made out of it's granodiorite. Ooh, interesting. Uh, granodiorite. Um, if we go to the Kapif diagram, well, what well, classification of rock is a fener is a fuck. You know, <sighs> Merriam-Webster needs to come up with a a new version you know when you look in a dictionary and you're like how do i pronounce that and right next to that in the parentheses Uh they have the weird jumbling of characters that tells you how to pronounce it phonetically but like only a dozen people know how to decrypt like it's even you get even less context clues from those things because those Uh symbols mean something those symbols mean phonetic sounds like what what they would call phonemes of like it doesn't make a f or a s or a t or a w doesn't make it a o u you know but it's even harder to decode than the fucking IPA English. Well, I don't want to. Okay. It's a fan phaneritic textured intrusive igneous rock similar to granite but containing more paleo. Now you're just making fucking words up. Plagioclase, plagioclase feldspar or orthoclase feldspar, bro. I had an earth sciences teacher in middle school, Mrs. Spiegel. She is from Israel. She was the hardest motherfucker I've ever known. I wish she was all of my teachers. If you wrote in... What was it? She, she had some certain rules, but like... She wore like Birkenstocks all the time. She was this like very spry, but like very tiny, old Jewish woman. You know... But she was very lively, and she, whenever she was mad at any of the students, she would take off one of her Birkenstocks and throw it at them. What? <laughs> and this was in, like, 20, like, 13 or something like that. This wasn't, like, back in the good old days, but this was, like... Still relatively This was, like, Justin Bieber was coming on the scene, and she was still throwing <laughs> her chunklas at people. <laughs> Damn. Wait, when did you graduate high school? 2015. Oh, snap. I'm old. It's like, I, I graduated 2012. So Dude, you know what's ridiculous? This year, people who were born in 2000 can vote. That's fucking Honestly, insane. that's not concerning to me. I'm not saying it's concerning. It's just a, a weird perspective, you know? Yeah. It's like when you think about light years and how far light travels in a year. And so if you extrapolate how many years, you know, they tell you, like, okay, well, I don't know if you've ever been back to Hartford recently, but they have the... Um, Hartford Science Museum. Oh, yeah. That's right off the highway. The Hartford Science Museum was... It was completed back in 2010. I was a junior at that time. Oh, for real? No, it I was... It looked a, so contemporary to me. I was by, a sophomore, With actually. the green... Why? With sophomore, the... Yeah. With the plants on the roof and shit? Yeah. Oh, okay. Roof. It looks so new to me. For some reason, I thought it was, like, immediately built. Anyways, they have an exhibit there where they talk about light years and how far light travels in a year. That's what a light year is. Mm-hmm. But that, you know, radio waves, which is what we 
broadcast television. And radio. Oh, I know that exhibit you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and so yeah. it tells you the from the perspective of the distance from Earth, like what aliens would be hearing from us. That'd be really And how it takes time for the light to travel to them, mm-hmm. and the radio waves is light. And so they would be hearing our history, like, a, you know years and years and years later if yeah. there were certain distances away like you know al- if an alien species existed in this galaxy they would just be hearing thriller by michael jackson yeah, yeah. now or, or they would they would just see the first episode of the simpsons on fox or they would you know what i mean so it's 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 weird that the shit we make like uh, like light i mean loses its energy gets absorbed and refracted but if you have a clear line of light exiting our atmosphere if it makes it out without being refracted people could see like your tweet that was sent through the wi-fi because the wi-fi is just like microwaves Mm -hmm. it could just keep going and it didn't get interfered or whatever someone could like catch the frequency of of light that was like a fucking stupid tweet or like a yelp review (laughs) or 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 like internet broadcasts or like i don't know live streams of fucking smash bro competitions like and it's, it would go in all different directions from our Earth, so different galaxies would get different, like, in views of what our Earth is like. Mm-hmm. From different perspectives. Such a- Can you imagine when, like, one alien species only gets to see Russia throughout his entire Bro, what the fuck? history, so... They're like, wow, they really like bread. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and when another place only sees America, so they're like, damn, like, these guys just fucking kill and exile everybody out of here. Damn. And then all those all those alien species come to try to conquer Earth and the different ways that they learn from the different, like, continents. Yeah. And they all get together, like, what? And they're like... Wow, and then at the end of that movie, obviously they're like, "And we were all the same after all." Like, <laughs> and then they blow up the earth. <laughs> Just like y'all suck. <laughs> no matter what country you're from, you suck because you're human beings. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me of that. Uh, you ever seen um, the Twilight Zone? <laughs> you know that episode where the alien race comes down to the UN and was like, "Yeah, we're just gonna blow up your planet. You guys aren't, you know." you know, viable as a species. And so the humans took that as like, shit, we're not peaceful enough. So they scramble for the entire night trying to make the best world peace, you know, treaty. So all the countries can like band together. And then they come back to the alien species. He's like, all right, uh, it took us all night, but we did it. And we have a treaty that proposes world peace for everybody. And the guy in the alien species was like, no, we, we meant it as you guys suck at fighting. <laughs> you guys are the worst planet we've ever, you know, witnessed that has the lowest capabilities of modern warfare. So we're going to execute you guys now. Wow, that's some Thanos shit yeah. right there. Spoiler alert, that's some Thanos <laughs> shit right there, bro. That's so, fucking balance. So they fucking eradicated them. Fucking balance. <laughs> too much to one side, too much to the other. That's crazy. That is some Twilight shit. Like, I want to know who wrote these things, because those people are fucking geniuses. They are. Like, those are the inspiration for so many different plots and scenes and stuff. Like, I don't know exactly know if it was a Twilight Zone episode, but something along those lines of a Twilight Zone-esque... No, I, it had to be a Twilight Zone episode. Spike Lee said that he got the inspiration for his classic film, um, Do the Right Thing, from a Twilight Zone episode. I believe I might be butchering that, but it was an episode of like an old t- sci-fi TV show, kind of like Twilight Zone, or it was Twilight Zone, where scientists discovered that there's a temperature, an ambient temperature... That at, at which point human behavior actually changes. And so they said, like, at 93 degrees Fahrenheit, p- 
humans are more violent at 93 degrees than any other temperature on the thermometer or whatever. And so Spike Lee ran with that. And he made his story, you know, his movie about the hottest summer in Brooklyn and or the hottest day on record in Brooklyn back in the uh, back in the 90s. And it's just the whole movie is just the aggression of everyone in the neighborhood escalating and escalating and escalating and escalating until it's just like there's a full on, you know, collision of all the conflicts. And it was he got drew inspiration because that from that and throughout the entire movie, he was just showing like it was really hot, like got the wavy lines on the screen, like how you always see Chef Gordon Ramsay. Yes. (laughs) I feel like Gordon Ramsay should, if he's like a knight that you always have to say chef before his name. Yeah. Like, even when he's going to the fucking doctor. Oh, for, for people who, I, I was watching uh, Hell's Kitchen before we started this podcast. So. Yeah. You got me pretty heated, dude. Yeah. Heated, boy. This pasta is garbage. This, ris- <laughs> this risotto is not, he, he, it's, it's funny no, it's, because. It's risotto. Risotto. This risotto is crap. <laughs> taste it. Taste it. Everyone taste it. Now leave. <laughs> Go back to your fucking stations. Oh, God. Yeah. There's, so there's been episodes where he's, like, held the risotto. The, the risotto. The risotto literally at a 90-degree angle, and it's just not... I, I guess oh, apparently risotto is supposed to be, like, really fluid. Yeah. And he... he it's, it's just, like, creamy rice. Yeah, it's rice. been shown in, you know, in a couple, uh, like, scene cuts where Gordon, uh, like, Chef Ramsay will shake the plate. <laughs> you can call me Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> call, me, call me Gordon. Uh, he'll, he'll shake the plate before he sends it off to make sure it's nice and fluid. Yeah, I never noticed that's what he was doing when he does that. Yeah. But, I mean, being on, being the person on the hot plate, you you check quality control, making sure everything looks nice and presentable, making sure, in terms of uh, Chef Ramsay's... Speaking of being on the hot plate. Oh, yeah. Making sure we're recording. Yeah, just quality control, make sure that everything's good, uh, everything's presentable. The plates itself have to be hot because he, you know... Chef Ramsay, he's he's up there in terms of quality, and he wants to make sure that everything is as best as it can be. All all the the variables are controlled as much as possible. Makes sense. Before the food gets out into the, I mean, you gotta be accountable for your uh, product. Yeah, that's interesting though, because I don't know. Like you're talking to me about the the sh- documentary movie on Netflix, Forty Two Grams. Forty Two Grams. Yeah, because yeah. I I know the the reason behind the title, because like the in a may I add very is that very shittily made 46 grams or 42 no it's 42 grams 40 because it was a very shittily done experiment back in the early 20th century that or maybe or even earlier than that that they took they tried to measure how much a soul weighed and they had somebody on the slab who was or had someone on their deathbed who was gonna die and they no, sorry. They had them in their deathbed. They weighed them before they died. They weighed them after they died. And the difference was 21 grams by on average. And so, like, the average soul weighs about 21 grams, which is just such horse shit. Like, there's so many other v- variables, whatever. And so it was, like, what, a couple that started this restaurant? And so it's, like, yeah. their collective soul was 42 grams. Very yeah. poetic. <laughs> but it, was, it was a really interesting... Scientifically um, inaccurate. <laughs> scientifically inaccurate. Okay. Uh, it was an interesting documentary because the way he... they The couple started the restaurant restaurant was an in-home restaurant so you had to make a reservation and then they would prep the day prior and then they would bring you into their home to have dinner whoa and then they cook the food in front of you and then they serve it and then they had enough money to open up their own restaurant and they actually 
I want to say they only did it for a year, but they actually, and, and spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't watched it, they divorced at the end. Oh, shit. Um, but it was, the restaurant was open long enough for them to gain their Michelin status, which was two stars. Oh, shit. Which is high. You were now, so close. Yeah. Could have well, got the third star, bro. He, he, his goal was to get no less than two stars, which is pretty much unheard of for, like, a startup chef yeah. opening up his high, a high-end restaurant. So that was a pretty big accomplishment on his part. And then they ended up closing the restaurant once they get divorced. Jesus. So, well, there's yeah. two cooking... You know, I realize there's certain niche genres of movies um, I don't know if I mentioned in the last podcast but I'm studying film and television at Boston University while I'm wearing my former college on my on yeah. my chest so as, to show tribute it as we I know probably I'll bring bring, bring my GoPro and I'll clamp it to the lamp or something because it's got the wide angle lens and so oh, it just films for quite a while yeah we, we can do I can do it on my Buttery iPhone 4K yeah I can do it on my iPhone where it's just me ha <laughs> Just the, the Eddie. Actually, Eddie's oh, hot. Oh, like oh. Eddie's hot take. Yeah. Or or we'll we'll do a, a freaking uh, battle of the the phones. You, you'll use your phone camera to videotape you, and you use my. I'll use my camera to videotape me, and they'll have the the encompassing godlike video camera for the the GoPro because I need yeah. to use that thing. I bought it and I barely use it. Yeah. Ironically, ironically enough, I like got rid of most of my posters in my room, so people would just be watching, just us talking with a fucking white space behind them. It's chill. My cinematography teacher said that you should never have a blank wall. That it's probably the most boring thing. So you want to use. There is so many interesting. I guess I'm gonna have to come back to my other point, but the other niche genres. But there is so many interesting things that I learned that in the business of film and television. I guess I could just say film because television is just an extension of that. Um, as I'm saying this, I'm going to see if I can talk and type at the same time. But I realized that in the biz, there's not direct names for anything. Like, every thing or person that's on a set has a weird name that doesn't make any sense. Like, well, not doesn't make any sense, but... It would make sense if you were in the... Yeah, well, okay, if you stay to the end of the credits, I mean, if you're watching any Marvel movie, I guess, I could just put that out, because everyone obviously stays to the end of the credits there, you see names that come up like Best Boy Electric, Best Boy Grip, you know, all these weird things, but that just means like the boss, like the top person for electricians union, or, you know, union workers, like for them, for putting, you know, because like, um, what's it called? Electric, or gaffers and grips gaffers I think I mean I haven't learned enough about this but like gaffers are the people who handle everything electric um and then like above the gaffers are the best boy electric but those are the people who plug all the shit in and make sure all the wiring's right and make mm-hmm. sure oh god I'm yawning don't yawn <sighs> because you didn't make me yawn I know I woke up at like 4.30 this morning oh. and I haven't slept at all today I should've taken a nap but anyways like you know because of unions and stuff different people handle different jobs and um but anyways like my cinematography teacher was saying that you know you never want just a blank wall and so sometimes you can add texture to wall walls by passing the light that hits the wall through what they call a cookie and a cookie is just a piece of sometimes mostly opaque material that has cutouts in it so in order to get like if you've seen any old 
crime movies or old like detective movies or just anytime you've seen like somebody sitting in a, uh, a jail cell or whatever when you see bars across the light that makes it look like you know sometimes you'll see a perfectly lit person but behind them for texture and context you'll see those vertical black shadow bars yeah. in the background like ooh they're in jail it sets the scene or whatever a cast against the wall those are created by cookies and they'll they'll put these shapes in front of the light to cast a shadow that makes it look like they're sitting behind the blinds of a window. Yeah. You know, pouring over, you know, evidence from a case, you know, smoking their cigar or whatever, or it looks like they're in jail. But it just made me think, like, nobody ever has any direct name for anything in the movie business. Anytime you find something, it always has, like, another name. Like... For instance, as we're looking at my microphone that I'm recording this on, the fuzzy piece of material that stops the wind from coming through, that stops the pop, that's called a dead cat. That's the official term. Someone on set asks you for a dead cat, you get them that. It's a gray, gray, whitish, salt and pepper. It looks like a dead cat, you know? It looks like a dead animal on top of it, but it's meant to stop the wind from going through. But anyways, back to the niche thing. I found that I like very niche film genres so then there's like action and there's you know drama and comedy or whatever but i find that i two niche genres of film that i really like are cooking movies so like john favreau's chef where he you know re reignites the relationship with his ex-wife and his son by starting a food truck because he's a michelin he was almost a three-star michelin restaurant owner and there's this one food critic that kept fucking him over every time and one time he just snapped and he it was a great scene by the way it was about lava cake and he's like this lava cake blah 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 blah. he sees him in the restaurant he knows it's the critic it shows you know shows him preparing all this stuff but you know he goes in and he talks about the lava cake he grabs the lava cake off the man's plate he's like this is what lava cake is it's not fudge it's not chocolate there's fucking ganache in the middle we freeze it and then when you cook it that's what makes the fucking lava and he like throws it down like he just goes on this whole tirade about lava cake and he just realized he's been so engrossed in his work and he leaves work and like I don't want to ruin the thing for it but it's a very heartfelt family friendly well family forward movie about a father reconnecting with his son over food and he goes back to his original roots you know he gets removed from the bouginess of it all and he goes back to his roots of making like cubanos in in miami yeah. so he opens up a food truck and he go- does a tour of america making cuban sandwiches with his son and it's like very it's very cute uh but then there's also like burnt with bradley cooper where he's also a guy trying to achieve a three-star Michelin rating, and so he has to rally all of the people that he, you know, try to be with, but he has super high anger management. But it just made me realize, like, chefs go through so much fucking stress. <laughs> like, I feel like th- that's, like, the most unnecessarily stressful job I've ever seen. Dude, it's... Uh, so, this past summer, I worked at a restaurant for extra money, and it's almost ironic that the people you would see that would have high anxiety and like social issues work at high social high like anxiety that is weird right settings yeah i'm I'm saying like again shit that's chill (laughs) no it's not we got another 500 episodes (laughs) yeah (laughs) to get to get past that's smart we should keep towels around 
So if we need to put stuff down and just make a clickety clack hard oh. sounds, you get like little like you get like the rags from work. Yeah. And if you gotta put your phone down, just drop it. And it's gonna be like a accidental discoveries. Look at that. And but yeah. But it's really interesting to see people who you would think that would not be able to work in a setting like that and just bang it out like it's no problem. True. I and think... it, oh, I mean, well, it, they're fine on the floor, but once they leave, you you kind of see the aftermath and like, oh my god, like I can't believe I. Oh. Literally shaking. I gotta take my meds. <laughs> Yikes. Or, or they'll storm off and be like, this fucking person, why aren't they fired yet? And Dude. Yeah it's, yeah, it's some serious stuff. You, you see the highs and lows of it. I mean, I guess I can diffuse that kind of shit because either, like, A, I get a paycheck for it, so then I'm like, hey, it's compensation for the stress that I'm going through to get the job done. Or B, once you leave those doors, none of that shit matters anymore. And you get to complain about it a little bit, but ultimately that customer got their drink or got their food or got their whatever. Yeah. They move on and you're not going to change them. That's the thing is it's like in the moment that you're giving them service, you're never going to change what their experience. They're going to, you might change their experience, but they're still going to go about their day. Like I feel like some people just put, their socks on and then the next decision they make is I'm gonna pick a fight with someone today <laughs> like they wake up in the morning they fucking take their shit drink some coffee fucking put on their socks get ready to go to work and like you know what before they like leave the door before they pick up their keys like I'm gonna make I'm gonna ruin someone's day today oh and it's gonna God. be the first person I interact with and they go and they get their latte and they're like I said extra dry you motherfuckers yeah. this is not dry this is this is too heavy to be dry yeah i i don't get why you can't just make a dry cappuccino oh i'm sorry karen can i, I can make it over yeah for you name like, dropping we're gonna bleep that out after the accident <laughs> <laughs> but karen karen's a fictional <laughs> fictional customer yeah yeah karen spelled with but a you, q i actually <laughs> oh <laughs> Quarren. yeah but uh, yeah. i oddly enough for me i kind of enjoy the high stress level that we have to experience at work you're also a good craftsman with the drinks and i think you win over the hardest customers really i think i, I, I for observe from my observations of working with eddie for as long as i have i've he he's a sweet boy and he just he wins people over with his charm people are very friendly to him but but i think ultimately too he takes on the challenge and the task of taking on the shitty customers when you could and pause for water lakes. No, it's okay. Like, 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 like. <laughs> uh, you know, I'll take my advantage and drink some yeah, water. Glug, 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 glug. I don't have any more water left, so I'm just going to... I have some water right there. Oh, but you keep the pitcher. You keep it holding it down, dude. I do the same thing. I keep a, a Brita filter in my room under my desk because it's out of the way of the sun because um, I don't have a refrigerator. Ooh, and, uh technique, boy. <laughs> For people who can't see, Gage is pouring water from a pitcher into a bottle. Yeah, bottle. I prefer sparkling, but no big deal. <laughs> um, I actually do like love Sam Pellegrino. Well, if we can get a sponsor, that'd be great. Humble sponsor. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, what was I saying? You make the moment right, as a certain uh, brand of coffee business mm. would like to say, as they're part of their corporate campaign. Yeah. But. You know, because you, it's so much easier, well, not really easier, it's so much more rewarding in the moment to yourself to fuck up the person's drink on purpose and, like, see if they won't notice or, like, try to just, like, fuck yeah. them over and, like, slight them in some kind of way. 
but it's harder to like swallow your pride, do your job really well to the point where you win them over by saying like by making putting it in perspective their own attitude. Like wow, they, this person made a great drink. I don't know why I was ever so mean to them. Or they maybe they go on their yeah. way and they never say anything. But at least you know you did your job great, and they're not going to ruin your quality. Sometimes, too, I'll fuck up a customer's drink and it, totally by accident. Did not mean to do it, and then I don't realize it until they take it, and I'm like, oh shit. And sometimes I'm waiting for them to come back and be like, hey, this was made wrong. And then I'll be like, okay, I'm sorry. Like, I'll make it over right now. Or other times I'm like, please don't come back. Yeah. <laughs> please don't come back. I know I fucked it up. I, but we, we got so many drinks that we have to pull through. But also, too, when customers have, like, those really, like, hard drinks. Like, mod drinks. Yeah. yeah fucking caramel macchiato upside down. No foam, extra caramel drizzle. Two pump vanilla at 160 degrees. Half soy. I I kind of get a jump off of that because now since we don't coat our drinks and it just comes off on the label, which sometimes I finally understand the label labeling system mm-hmm. where it's ordered in the same way as the coating would used to be on the cups. Except it's just written out. Yeah. Um, but but when that kind of stuff happens, I, I, I like it because it's one is a challenge and it's two is like, how fast can I bust this drink out at the same time? That's a good point. And then also how, how, how at all does it affect your sequencing? It does. Like, yeah. does this let me, does this interrupt me? Cause it's like, I've been playing on my, I've been playing on my like autopilot shit for a long time, making latte after latte after pumpkin spice latte. Yep. That's a, that's a hint to where we might be working. Um, but <laughs> Duncan has their I pumpkin know, spice I and, and Tim Hortons. No, <laughs> they don't have lattes though. They have turbo shots, dude. I got a Fuck little. I, I got a little insight into what kind of quality Dunkin' Donuts turns out because this guy asked for an iced coffee with a turbo shot in it, and I was like, I didn't even have the t- the time to correct him. But I was, I was like under my breath, kind of to myself. I was like, okay, with an espresso shot in it, um, and I put it in, and then he just stood there, staring at me, waiting for the drink to procure itself, and I was oh, like, yeah. I was like, they'll they'll have it ready at the end of the bar. So, to my understanding, Dunkin' Donuts just has espresso lying around, just just waiting to go into the drink. Old ass espresso, cold, cold, unappetizing, bitter. They'd fucking call it a kick, a jump. Yeah, (laughs) fucking kick right in the ass. (laughs) But Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a challenge. It's like solving a puzzle. I like it because it's sequencing is like. Uh, it's a tactile puzzle and I like I fuck with shit like that like I learned how to make solve a Rubik's Cube it doesn't serve any practical purpose but it's fun it's like something to do with your hands see how fast you can get it it really is and, uh, another thing too is in terms of sequencing what I like about it the most is well I, I always tell people this when they bar with me and sometimes I can be a dick about it but fucking real Gordon Ramsay about it you know but it this was, soy milk is rancid. Is ran- you almost served this. Where is the microphone? <laughs> where, where indeed is the microphone? Yeah. The underappreciated feature of a drink is the microphone. It really Because ultimately when you're drinking that, it's not just the sexy crema look on top with the latte, but when you're drinking it, it actually makes a difference. It really does, because yeah. Because if you just like let all the foam rise to the top and then you just got all the steam milk underneath, you're drinking it and then you drink like a, a gulp of foam and then it's just li- like liquid. Lava like it, liquid. Yeah, yeah, it's just lava liquid and then it breaks the seal. But if you keep a consistent microfoam throughout, that's why I think we should make our drinks with whole milk by default. By default? I don't yeah. know why we use 2% by default. I don't know, man. Fucking trash garbage. Yeah. 
But uh, what was I saying? Oh yeah, but but for sequencing, if I'll if I'll get a chai, which they don't, it doesn't get espresso in it. Mm-hmm. So boom, all I have to do is steam it. Um, but then if that drink right after is just an espresso, uh, I get so hyped because I was like, yeah, nah, I'm doing two drinks at the same yeah, time. Dude, Let's go. Let's do this. It's pretty fire. It is. It's like or- when you get like. Like an ice caramel macchiato and a chai, and then you get to, but the chai is like... You get a hot chai and then an ice chai? Yeah. Oh, dude. That's killing the game. Fucking triple... Fucking... You don't even know, brother. You don't even know. (laughs) A lot of people are like... But I don't... Oh, that. sorry, not to cut you off. No, no, go on. Um, That's what I was going to say, is I don't do odd shots anymore. You don't do odd shots? Yeah, during rush, I never do odd shots. I mean, I always thought that was kind of frowned upon anyways that was like malpractice in our business that g genius bar our our manager our manager a certain gentleman from a certain communist country (laughs) his words not mine his words not mine um he would always like yell at me for pulling odd shots like it was a triple he's like just pull even you can use that one later which during a rush makes a lot of sense it, it, because technically later is honestly one to two seconds <laughs> exactly you're the next ticket that when you go zzz, zzz, zzz. <laughs> although now with the printing i don't know there's something that affects you psychologically but like i don't know the debate I mean, I guess the sticker being in the middle of the bar, and instead of having them to line cups, because remember the old days of just markers uh-huh. and mobile stickers, uh-huh. and it, when you wrote down the cup, first of all, passing it from left to right register sometimes got annoying, and then people would open up the the drawer and it would be in front of it, and then all the cups would fall out. <laughs> be fun. Oh, what was a game show where it, uh, wipeout? Yeah, <laughs> wipeout yeah, coming out of the wall. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, but um. Yeah, now with instead of writing it down and like passing it down, they'd always have to do like the little parade of cups. Mm-hmm. Now we have the ticket like pulled when we need it. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Sometimes you people... But then they changed up things too. Like we used to just split things by cold bar. Now it's like strictly by time. Yep. And then sometimes by cold bar and hot bar. And it's just, I don't know. I guess it would be interesting to look at the results and see which one was more, you know what was more productive whether it was to just do all the iced coffees at once and leave someone at the hot bar or was it whether to split up the drinks between the two people and take them in order as it comes god only knows all i know is when people lean with their fucking hands on the bar at the end waiting for the drink staring at you oh i finally found i finally found a, a term that sounds aesthetically pleasing when you say it uh hand off um no yeah, handoff helicoptering. No, that no, that's not it. Was it handoff helicoptering? No, handoff handoff hovering. Handoff hovering. Yeah, that's because that's so true, dude. People I will order the that. drink, then they'll shuffle on over to the to the area of the bar that we hand out their drinks to the customers, and they'll just sit. They'll they'll either they'll lean against it or they'll like have their pelvis like brushed against the counter with their like on their phone or the mm-hmm. lean against the wall like close to the employee entrance way mm-hmm. and the way our store is set up it's kind of like they all just pool there and then people have to get through them to get to the, like their splendas or whatever so it pushes some people closer to us and people stay there yeah. the worst is the people who like actually put their hands on the bar and lean in waiting 
Like they're, they're that not, fucks it fucks with you psychologically. You could like you catch think, them out of your eye. Yeah, and, and you think every drink you are making yes. right now is their drink. Even if it's like the most jacked, veiny dude, you think he's Britney. Like <laughs> I think this iced Chinese nonfat with extra caramel drizzle is for Britney. Is like that's Britney. Yeah. Britney wants his fucking caramel drizzle, <laughs> bitch. You know, so it's it makes you super paranoid. It makes you it so takes you out of the moment. It really. Because I don't does. know about you, but you enter that flow state when you're making drink after drink after drink, and they're just you feel like they're being made even before you get to process what the drink even is you're just that like pattern recognition fucking six cents of burst yeah, fucking, no I'm thinking more like that Rain Man scene where all the numbers are going flying past his face <laughs> you know what I mean yeah that's like it's exactly what it is fucking 82 82 82 ice chai ice chai, ice chai. like that's that's how I feel because that's why I like being on bar too because time just flies and then there's nothing like better feeling than when you finally wipe down your counter after the end of a rush and like dude all the drinks are gone everyone's like shuffled out of the cafe and like you just like the fucking I feel like if, if the steam one was detachable it'd be like the pistol at the end of like a gun match where it's smoking like and you like you holster it you like blow it off the tip and then you like holster your steam one yeah exactly you fucking holster your pictures yeah it's still steaming from the milk it's one thing I love to do is um I don't even know what it's called but you know know the rinser that we use for our uh, our I call them shuttles yeah our shuttles okay for the sake of it yeah the shuttles I got so good at rinsing them or well how good can you be at rinsing them I mean there is I, there is a lot to say for that. Don't don't sell yourself short. There's a certain pressure that can clean it most efficiently. It really, yeah. Because if you push it down too hard, you're stopping the air, fl- the water flow, yeah. and you're like cleaning a centimeter <laughs> inside. Yeah, exactly. But you gotta you gotta dance it over the top, and, shh, mm-hmm. and it like washes perfectly. And you can even, and I know I don't mean to interrupt you on this one, but maybe you, so that we know we're on the same page. You can feel. You don't even have to look at it. You can feel the mil- milk leaving the pitcher. You can feel yeah. by the weight of it. Oh, you can feel the vibration. Yeah. You can feel almost almost when you know you you drink a nice cool glass of water and you can just feel it go down your chest. Yes, exactly. That is just See, like it's an extension of your body. You. <laughs> but oh, yeah. yeah, I know, right? Cramps and shit like that too. But, <laughs> but like you can you can feel the 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 foam kind of falling off the edges of the pitcher because you yeah. know it's like dropped. It annoys me too when people and get getting beside my own point. Uh, it annoys me when people clean their pictures, and I know there's still foam in there. Dude. Dude, clean dude. the fucking picture up. Dude, right? and it's like, a, it's like an eclipse. It's like some of it looks good, and then you walk around to the other corner, and you see like the opposite side of the inside of the picture, and there's a giant-ass swath of foam, and you're like, oh, dude. Oh. Dude, no, not cool. But yeah, anyways, I got really good at throwing my shakers into the shuttle perfectly, and then it's that, it's that time where... I could move my drink to where it needs to be so I can uh, cup it and hand it off. And then once it hits the shuttle, I grab it, do a quick twist, and then throw it, throw it back on the rack. Damn, dog. You remember that scene from Castaway where it was trying to show the progress of Tom Hanks's survival on the island? Uh-huh. And it cuts to him spear fishing from like 30 meters away. Oh, yeah. And he yeah. like catches the fish perfectly, and then it fades the title card four years later. That's you, Eddie. That's like, <laughs> since you started working at Starbucks four years later, you're spear fishing with shakers. Like, nope. You're just. You're just fucking Kobe. You're fucking LeBron Jamesing that shit from the cold bar. Mm-hmm. Where's Where's fucking Wilson, dude? <laughs> dude, 
Oh my God, Wilson! Wilson! You know when I was I was watching this YouTube channel, everything wrong with, and they they break down the whole movie and they mm. just go shot by shot, pretty much like describing what's wrong with it. And I guess they made a really good point because Wilson was lost one time in the beginning of the movie too, when he was in the cave and he threw him out of the cave oh, and he yeah. kind of like washed up on the side of the beach. And he was saying that 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 scene detracted from the emotional like resonance of the very last scene where Wilson was going away, which I guess is kind of true, but also like. It's such a great movie, and he made a good point. It's like only like the such great writing that you can make someone care about a fucking piece of rubber and like like a ball. An inanimate object. Yeah, I know, right? Fucking inanimate titties. <laughs> fucking. Yeah, I mean, damn, four years alone. The part that got me was when he removed his own tooth with the fucking ice skate because oh, I hate the dentist. Yeah. I totally relate. I totally procrastinate <laughs> on that shit and then be like stuck on it like oh fuck of course of course this is the time I really want a dentist now. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, dentistry. This shit scares the shit out of me. From, from, from I don't bar, trust anyone who's... From barring to dentistry. <laughs> I don't trust anyone who's a dental hygienist. Like, I get it. Look, people need their teeth clean and people need their teeth taken care of. But, bro, I don't trust you. One of our regulars, uh, she's practicing to be a dentist now. No, I don't get it. Like, you're helping people, but I still don't trust you. <laughs> like, people with two first names. It's just, I can't. Bro, if I had a fucking dental hygienist and his name was fucking John Jordan, I would fucking <laughs> jump out the window. <laughs> Be so out of that office. Oh, man. I don't know what it is, man. I had bad experience at the dentist, I guess. I jumped in my seat one time, and the drill got me a little... Oh, dude, it's you're so vulnerable, bro. I think I get that from my dad. Ah, my dad is also super apprehensive about the dentist, but his teeth are a lot worse than mine. <sighs> I have yet to have a cavity in the last two years. Oh no, for for me about yeah, I take care such good care of my teeth now because like because I'm so scared. Like I floss twice a day. I use high fluoride count mouthwash. I make sure I brush like for three and a half minutes. <laughs> Fucking gums are bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> Ginger, <laughs> fucking pink in the sink, more like fucking red in my bed. <laughs> Do you ever see? I remember those commercials when they when they had when they were talking about flossing every day, and they're like, "Oral B, like Pro Glide floss, or whatever." They're like, "Do you have pink in the sink?" I'm like, "Bro, I got red in the bed, dog. I just brush my teeth so hard, my shit's bleeding till the morning. <laughs> I can wake up with a bowl full of pink ass cereal. Oh. Like, is that Nesquik? No, dog. That's some fucking type O positive." <laughs> Yeah, I mean, hey. Oh but then I, my dentist was like, well, don't brush too hard. I'm like, motherfucker. Like, Are you serious? Because they're like, you could damage your gums and like be susceptible to gingivitis and gum disease and to gum deterioration. I'm like, mm, bitch, ah, I gotta find it right in the middle, boy. <laughs> gotta get those like fucking toddler toothbrushes with fucking angel hair tooth br- tooth oh, bristles. Dude, do you remember when, um, I, I want to say it was either Crest or Colgate that came out with it, but the... the... The um the finger toothbrushes no, like the, the toothbrush on a go it was it was honestly like it, you cut the the top off of a rubber glove and like put like a coating of toothpaste on and then you just rub your your mouth with Did it. Did it have like a textured tip? Yeah, so it was studded for it, her it was like about, Yeah, it was a little bit textured. Like, I, I, I mean, want to say it was a hexagonal, you know. Dude, imprint. I was in the Boy Scouts. I brushed my teeth with just a finger one time. Yeah, it, it happens. You need to do uh, it. Sometimes you catch a finger. Boy Scouts of America, <laughs> raping kids from like eighteen oh three. Wow, dude. I don't know. I mean, it's true. You see those groups, but you you realize not you don't realize that it's like common. You realize that it's really like it's easy. out there. 
Yeah. But, like, when you're in the Boy Scouts, you're like, damn, like, I can see how people get away with this shit, because it's, like, just a bunch of dudes in the woods. Well, I can't shake my head, yes. I, like, I've never been in the, the boy, boy Scouts or Eagle Scouts. That's one thing I do... Eagle Scouts, you, dude, you're conflating that. That's like saying I've never run for politics and won the presidency. Like, being an Eagle Scout means a lot in this country for people who might be listening in Ukraine or, like, abroad, because we don't know our audience demographic. <laughs> I know, yeah. right? For our huge Lithuanian audience. <laughs> Represent. Go Tigers. I feel like but I... I that, that's one thing like when I hear people say yeah I wasn't a, a, a scout or an eagle and you know I, I grew up in Hartford yeah did nothing all day there's some I mean I mean I guess there's some Hartford kids ah oh, bro I have so many stories of that like like how we how we grew up going to school and stuff too like what schools you went to did you just go to school in Connecticut because I know you lived in New York I didn't know like what oh I you were in of, like I I lived in New York until I was five oh, and then so we even, like yeah you weren't even a person no exactly like, I I mean I can remember preschool and a little bit of kindergarten before I, I moved to Connecticut it's pretty fire wait so what year is that were you there when nine eleven happened no no uh, I was in first grade when nine eleven happened and I was in Connecticut oh, yeah because you're time. older so that means you like left. I was yeah. trying to like put the times in, but I was thinking backwards. Yeah. Yeah. We, my parents and I, we left New York in '99. '99 going like right before 2000. <laughs> Y2K. Shut up. Uh, squad. The world's gonna end. Squad. <laughs> yeah. This 19, this uh, Windows 97 running on the E machine with LimeWire in the background, putting mad viruses and worried, worried about a number. <laughs> like we're putting Napster and fucking LimeWire on our computers, and we're like, yeah, so a number on a computer. Like the computers have counted past. 2000 before well yeah but all the records are double digits <laughs> it's like I don't know what they were thinking for Y2K like the computer was so self-aware that it would think that like wait a minute it's 1901 computers don't exist <laughs> and then the Wright brother, brothers would explode out of your fucking yeah. <laughs> PC tube top oh, so, yeah. But what was I saying? You were talking about like school, and you left, and you went to yeah. Connecticut after yeah. New York. So we moved to Cromwell, <laughs> which is. <laughs> Dude, I don't even know geographically where these things are, but I'll hear town names from Connecticut, or even just the word Connecticut in yeah. movies, because it's probably like, it's very underrepresented state when it comes to like people talking about things. Yeah. Because nothing really eventful happened. I mean, no, you know, nothing, nothing ever happened in Connecticut. God forbid, you know, new, the new town, um, yeah, Hook I mean, shooting, and yeah. that was awful. That fucking but sucks. like, that was the only time people were talking about Connecticut. Yeah. So, yeah, we moved to Cromwell, and we lived in the the um, Century Hills area. Rock, Rocky Hills was our apartment complex. Um, so I lived there until I was... Is it like the hood? No, it was it was a nice area. Oh, okay. It was just, you know, it's just a part... It, it's not projects, if that's what you're thinking. Yeah. Um, I don't know what picture you're trying to paint for me, because you're like, apartments... No, Cromwell Crom- Crom- is like predominantly all white very middle class rich you just described what that kid yeah and then you get to Hartford in New Britain and you get all the Dominicans and ah! Puerto Ricans and I've seen more Puerto Rican flags in, in Hartford than I have seen dude like, fucking American Puerto Rican parade is just a trip it, it's honestly I, I've never seen a float or anything you know float worthy for a parade in the Puerto Rican parade because it's l- Literally, from my experience, is everybody in their cars with big ass Puerto Rican flags. <laughs> That's so true. Bumping music loud as fuck, and you know, honking the horn. So horns. Tuesday. Yeah, so Tuesday. <laughs> so they just have a permit for it this time. Yeah, this is a lot. Dude, I, I kind of miss that too. Like, the, div- I hate saying that word just for like the sake of it, the diversity, but just the different because <laughs> it was well, it was. 
I'm not even diversity, just differentness of like other people. Cause I had a completely different family structure with different family history, different like national back, like, uh, you know, ethnic back, well, not even ethnic, what would be the word for it? Like, I guess ethnic background, like cultural backgrounds and stuff like that. You know, I went to public school, a bunch of white kids and you had, it, well, actually you got, we finish your point. Cause it goes on to the whole busing system and shit where people get bussed into the suburbs and for you, you know, you know about those bus programs where they take like a handful of Hartford kids or New Britain kids and they bust them into like Groton or or they would bust them into like the suburbs of Connecticut. As I was a way to the, like what? It was always the opposite for oh well so if so I lived in Cromwell up until third grade and then my parents moved to Hartford mm-hmm. uh, because they really wanted a house and they just didn't want to be in an apartment anymore so we got one in Hartford and I went to a public high school up until sixth grade and then I went to magnet schools or tech or tech schools because my parents did not want for anybody who knows or has never heard of the Hartford public school system it fucking sucks if, it, if it's a public school system but if it's a magnet yes. or a technical school you're you're kind of out of the weeds I'll fill in the, the lines with my story because I I also went to school in Hartford at a magnet school oh yeah, yeah. So, I, know, like, I know you went to the academy yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. the academy oh, um, so yeah so it, but it was the opposite. So if you went to a magnet or a technical school in or Harvard charter schools, or charter schools, school, exactly, um, then it would be you would have kids from the higher education areas yes. going into Harvard. Well, that's that's the thing because okay, in middle school I was in Windsor Locks, Connecticut, which is where Bradley Airport is. It's kind of a sleepy town. It's aging at this point. I noticed a lot of the towns I lived in. They're getting older and older and older. You kind of notice the population just getting so much older. Yep. Which is kind of sad. It's like there's no innovation there. So all the young kids are moving elsewhere and the old people are just staying there because that's where their equity is. And they just stay and they just grow older and older and nothing ever changes. But yeah, I was in Windsor Locks and it was a very white, predominantly white school, middle class. Um, And then we would have a couple dozen kids from Hartford, mostly black and Latino kids. I think it was like two Asians in my school. Maybe. Anyways. Perhaps. Um, but they would bust them in, and then it, what... <sighs> the idea of the bus program, and they had this in Boston too. I forgot exactly the word for it, but I learned about this in class a couple years ago. Um, and the Metro program or something? I don't know. The idea was let's like, okay, let's take these kids from a lower class neighborhood and bring them to a more up, uh, like a middle you know, upper middle class neighborhood, and mm-hmm. it will, like, I don't know what they were thinking. They're like, oh, uh, success will just, like, rub off on people. But what ended up happening is people would just segregate themselves. And, like, I just said, you know, a couple minutes ago when I was referring to the people that were coming off the bus from Hartford, they were just the Hartford kids. And obviously they wouldn't feel comfortable. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. They weren't, they didn't feel comfortable enough hanging out with the people that were in Windsor Locks, you know, because it, first of all, they didn't live with them. They didn't know them their whole life. You know, they grew up in completely different neighborhoods, so they had no way of, this was like before cell phones and everything too. I know, right? Before cell, well, before smartphones and like readily accessible cell phones. Now it's yeah. probably a lot easier to make friends like that, but they would just, people would just segregate themselves and the Hartford kids would sit with the Hartford kids and the Windsor Locks kids and obviously, mostly it was Windsor Locks kids because that was their school but then when I you know I realized or I guess my mom realized at the time like you know if I stayed in public school even in this nicer neighborhood quote unquote nicer 
I still would have ended up being a shithead and like a deadbeat. So, you know, I, and it wouldn't have challenged me. So I went, ended up going to, at the time, the Greater Hartford Academy of Math and Science, right down the street from Trinity College, one of the most expensive private institutions in all of America, uh, Catholic based institution beautiful campus gorgeous chapel and like architecture and stuff it's stunning um and the turf field is really hot when you don't have a gym and you need to you borrow another field for for gym (laughs) class but that's what we used to do field days in middle school yeah dude it's nice and then those giant sprinklers that were like the size of a person it was like it wasn't it was a giant like fire hose amounts of water but anyways yeah, I went to a magnet school, then everything changed, then I was bussed in from Windsor Locks into the inner city. But, like, these charter schools, these magnet schools have so much state money, they basically build their own little city inside this campus. They do. That's they have, like, great crazy. resources, like, great technology, computers, the, high, the best. They, I had three 3D printers at the time, you know, the best chemistry labs. I Okay, and they attract really smart people, which is great for them, you know, cool... And, and, and giving kids chance but it also goes off of a lottery system yeah but yeah. I bought in my, I started at a middle school level for my magnet school program mm-hmm. and they had just opened up my grade level they had just they had been a well they originally started off as a half day program I don't know if you've ever like known about half day programs but basically you would go to your public high school for the basic requirements that was not the vocation. So say for instance, our school was a magnet school for math and science. So if you were a kid from like Canton or whatever, you know, Groton or whatever, you would go, I don't know why I keep bringing up Groton, it's so far away, uh, Ellington or whatever, you would go to your school for your humanities, like your social studies and your writing, but you'd come to our school for math and science for half the day. And that you'd get like, better credits and it would put you on a better list for colleges and stuff but then they started opening up full day programs where they taught humanities they taught writing and history and stuff like that alongside the math and science vocation but the math and science was still a great program and that was just high school for a while and before they opened up the middle school which was my grade at the time and they had different lottery ticket numbers for different districts and towns so different towns have different slots we had like seven slots but only me and a a acquaintance i had from high school or from middle school as it were who's also in boy scouts and he did get his eagle i'm very proud of him for that it it does take a lot to get eagle it's the nerdiest shit in the world but it means a lot in people's resume he and i were the only people who registered for the lottery so we won we got in we got to the school and it ended up being the best program for us. I mean, I was a shithead and I didn't do that well in high school. But if I did apply myself, I'd be able to do a lot more with it. Um, but I also thought I wanted to be a neurosurgeon at the time, which now I want to make movies. Nerd. I know. Dude, I love like the brain studies and stuff. Well, that's another podcast. But then we so we started in the middle school program, which was experimental at the time because it was opened up as the first full day middle school program starting in the seventh grade. Now they have a campus in Windsor. It's an aerospace specific, and they have better campus. They have their own stuff. It's open from like six to graduation. But the class, for perspective of how young the program was, the class before us, the graduating class was 14 people. That's fucking great. Because it was the first full day program completely independent of other schools just their own schools program graduating people fully from college it's 14 people see that's so funny because when 
I talk to people about their like high school graduations and they go to public schools. They go, yeah, you know, my, my graduating class was 400. And then they go to you like, how, how many kids graduated from your high school? I was like, our class was 74, mm-hmm. uh, 72 because two kids didn't show up that day. So yeah, our, it's a, it's a noticeable we, absence of we, presence. Yeah. We organized the student body by height. That's how little, that's how small our mm-hmm. graduating class was. Dude, it makes group photos so much easier. We had forty people in our graduate in my personal graduate class, but thirty nine because I wasn't there. Because I was in Germany. Backfired. <laughs> like I wasn't even. Able, I didn't walk. I didn't even get my diploma handed to me. I had it mailed in. I wasn't mad, bro. I was partying yeah. in Germany. I didn't go. Fuck. Everyone had to like. Everyone had to sneak like. Everyone had to like, uh, like probably sneak uh, like a little bit of their like parents' bottom shelf Papanov vodka into like a Poland Spring bottle mixed in with fucking Gatorade or whatever <laughs> at the front door and then hide it behind a trash can and then fucking bump and grind and try to like rub their dicks on somebody through their pants like to fucking uh, shaggy and then go back into the bathroom and find the bottle behind the trash can and get it. Meanwhile, I was partying with my teachers getting like coke and ecstasy offered to me in a fucking castle oh, wow. while I was drinking in a wine cellar and partying my face off and drinking like cocktails and stuff and living it up large and shit That's dude so Germans know how to party they, but they only let loose after like extreme amount of stress because they don't I, have honestly that, that makes a lot of sense yeah dude they're very Germans racism towards Germans but you know there's like a stereotype or not even a stereotype yeah I guess the stereotype that Germans are pretty uptight but what I noticed is it's like the social conventions are not to be so... I don't know. Maybe it's because I... Okay, this also might be skewed because I was the foreigner, but people were a lot less likely to be, like, loud and open with each other, per se, but people would always be down to party and then, like, let loose on the weekends and stuff like that. But they are they don't have a prom, per se, like um, Americans do, but they have this really big high stress vocational test that they take at the end of their equivalency of what is their high school yeah it's called the abi the abitur and they have this thing called the abi ball which they basically co-opted all of the american conventions of getting a prom dress getting like the corsage getting the tuxedo you know what i mean going out all out in that style of prom yeah. but for them it's celebrating the end of a test so imagine if like american Ooh. celebrated passing the SATs or whatever. That, I think that would be, nah. Mm. But imagine the SATs but on steroids because this one's not a generalized standardized test. This is a vocational school. So the way that German's educational system works for the most part, and it's by the way, it's 13 years, not 12 years, um, depending on your, your vocation. But starting pretty much at like middle, our, at our middle school, kids start deciding what their career path is gonna be. And so from that point, they start to branch off into different segments of education. And they put more focus on psychology, more focus on engineering, more focus on teaching, more focus on... Oh, so how they do it here now, or try to do it here now. But so by the time they graduate, the test scores from the ABI that I mentioned, the ABITUR, tells specific engineering or psychology or teaching schools, like universities, how well those students did in high school. Mm. So normally Americans leave high school with very low vocational skills, very low, like, specified skills. It's just general high school knowledge. Like, we just assume everyone has general high school knowledge, which is why we have stupid fucking gen eds that waste another two years off of our education of a bachelor's program being like, okay, this is high school 2.0, take statistics again, take English again. That's why I'm glad I took the AP tests, because I was able to get three 
classes off my transcript and just keep pushing forward and mm-hmm. doing my thing. But yeah, so Germans have it right in a lot of regards for vocations. Like decide what you want to do, work hard for that, and then if you fail that test, you have to retake it, you know, until you get it, or you don't pick a different vocation. So like different subjects require different, you know, standards for what they're letting in. I think that's so interesting how. It, even thinking back back at it in middle school where it was like college, college, college. What, what are you going to do? What, yeah. what, what do you want to do? Dude. And even our, in Connecticut, I don't even know if they do this anymore, but the, the CMTs, Connecticut Mass Dude, test. the only thing I learned from the CMTs is that Eli Whitney made the cotton gin. <laughs> Literally, oh, and fucking uh, 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 Daniel Lane or Daniel, Nathan Lane or something. Some fucking Connecticutian from the Revolutionary War or some shit. All we learn is about like Connecticut propaganda like isn't Mark Twain great yeah <laughs> fuck off dude yeah Samuel okay. Clemens we get it we all been to his fucking house all yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> and then by association we also kind of get we low-key get Dr. Seuss because Springfield's in the area um <laughs> my my um my mom her family actually grew up on the same street as uh fucking Theodore Seussel uh, Dr. Oh, Seuss wow <laughs> wow wow but yeah so that I the CMTs were dumb fucking hate them the American you start, education you start system, them at in third grade and then you take them all the way to eighth grade do those bubble like scantron sheets yeah make sure you bubble it in all the make way make sure you use a number two pencil and they'd always have a diagram of how to bubble in the I, fucking bubble there's <laughs> like there's like this is what Jimmy did you fucking idiot like he didn't even fill it in <laughs> fucking uh, fucking Dorothy went to Hot Topic way too many times and did a pentagram on her fucking D <laughs> and yeah oh it's just so God, stupid because it's just <sighs> Once you start incentivizing people to do, once you start incentivizing teachers to be measured by their success off of a test score, they're going to be incentivized to, or sorry, once, once you start grading teachers' performance on grade scores, then teachers are incentivized to push the test more than anything. Yeah. And you get those rare teachers who can actually, like, put in the work to get the test done, but also give you good life lessons and good, like practical critical thinking skills yeah rather than like if you don't know the answer just guess or just use your inference skills use your, yeah. your process of elimination like probably one of the best teachers i ever had in middle school that at least was miss ryan and she was an advanced reading teacher and my fourth grade teacher uh mrs lemire i think it's weird how you remember like such like people that it was so long ago. I feel like a requirement for a teacher is to have a weird ass last yeah. name. Yeah. The weirder the better. <laughs> bro, bro, I don't even know what ethnic I don't even know what country this comes from. I had a teacher, second grade. This is Delaquilla. <laughs> I guess <laughs> that's, that's so that's Italian. Italian. Yeah. It's pretty Italian. But Delaquilla, like what? I I don't know, man. But anyways, Miss Ryan. She loved Egypt, and she actually traveled to Egypt after she taught us. But she was the she was the coolest teacher. But I also had a weird like going back to Chef Gordon Ramsay. She was a, such a hard ass about reading and assignments and stuff. Uh-huh. And the first day that I came into the class, because my fourth grade teacher noticed how good my reading skills was, and put me into or like my creative writing, reading, you know, literary stuff, and put me into this class with Miss Ryan. And the first day I showed up, it was like their vacation day. It was like you kind of work really hard throughout the year and you get a couple of like fun days where you get to just do what you want and play games and like have fun and like, you know, board games and stuff like that. So I showed up on that day. I'm like, this is going to be fucking awesome. And then the next couple weeks, it was like hard, like reading, which at the time seemed 
like now it seems like nothing but you know but we were reading like Aragon and shit and like A Wrinkle in Time and some really good fucking books good before, uh, before the movies destroyed them yeah dude I mean I saw the no 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 I saw the original Wrinkle in Time not to sound like a hipster but when Wrinkle in Time with Oprah came out I don't I, think she's a good actor I'm, I'm not questioning her acting skills I'm just saying when it's a Disney like high high budget film I saw the original shitty like straight to VHS version of Wrinkle in Time and it was creepy as fuck and it was supposed to be made for kids it was like it was like the the, the, the never ending story if you've ever seen that where it's like yeah, really oh, yeah. dark but it's a kids movie we need more of those movies like that or like Phantom of the Simplex fucking Nickelodeon original yo <laughs> no, that's Disney. Disney sorry Disney original Smart House yeah House or Bump but the house is bumping <laughs> Bump there's a 10 hour loop of that on YouTube I, <laughs> I'm not surprised I love those Disney kids movies the freaking yeah where you, you know they, they make a technology that becomes sentient and conscious like yeah, Pixel bro. Perfect Pixel and Perfect where you, have you seen that one? I think so it was the main actor from uh, Phil, of Fu- Phil of the Future and Phil of the Future bro their stuff ran on diamonds remember that? and then really? they, they, I, I when they landed that. back in the past some guy like this was probably the pilot actually no pun intended but the dad lands in the past and then he's like do you have any like um he needed to refuel his ship but like apparently diamonds were the way they fueled the ship and they're like yeah of course which Loki I mean it's kind of funny because diamonds aren't that rare we'll get into that in a second but um he like turned to the guys like, you got any more of these he's like what and then like obviously the guy in like 20 you know 20 out 3 is like you got diamonds like what and he's like yeah I have them it's fine we got plenty of them and he's like this is just our fuel like hit gasoline to him and he's like oh, okay and I just fill the future man <sighs> that kind of a wacky show dude it was, it was fun it was a good show that was pretty good man like that Drake and Josh uh fucking uh, and, that, and that's all guys <laughs> that's all we got say I guess I mean there was other great uh, ones too. Zoe 101 d- ooh I really see you standing here it's so funny because my the girlfriend the Jewish kid always got cock blocked by fucking the lacrosse yeah. kid <laughs> <laughs> you got the like the scruffy like nerdy Jewish kid who like got the smackdown from that like lean fucking Aryan race looking lacrosse player kid <laughs> yeah it was funny because my girlfriend and her roommates we were all just talking about this yesterday about all the, the different um, Disney movies and Nickelodeon movies we used to see as kids mm. just fucking going on a some nostalgia binge uh, what was I that mean, one where she was like uh, it was like a space society and it was like this teen uh, oh Xenon what was that again Xenon Xenon Girl of the 21st Century. There you go. Yeah, that was a good movie. The first two were good. Third one was bad. I forgot there was more. <laughs> yeah. The, the, first, the first one was the Xenon always lived on the space colony, and then she got into trouble, so they had to send her back to Earth, and she fucking hit it on Earth. But then there was, like, some virus that was on the space like shuttle. Morbid. <laughs> yeah that was gonna cause it to crash. So she had to get back onto the space shuttle to stop. Oh, no, 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 no. One of the guys, one of the like head technicians was trying to do something to fuck the whole space station up. And she was trying to delete his his program. And she was able to find a certain program on Earth that would be able to do it to save the space shuttle. And then the second- Were they like an alien race of people? Was that what it was? Or was it like future Earth? 
That is future. Earth. Okay. Yeah, but the second the second movie was when uh, the space station was like breaking apart, and they didn't know how to fix it, which was fucking weird. You have the technology to make a space station. and launch it into space and and habitat for like hundreds of thousands of people. Yet you don't have the technology to fix it. I mean, oh, then right. again, Carnival Cruise did stop in the middle of the ocean and people got like fucking hepatitis from people shitting in buckets because <laughs> they couldn't figure out how to keep the water running. It's like you're literally over an ocean and you're dirty. Like that's whole, that's the irony of our fucking uh, of our fucking splendor as like now cute curb your enthusiasm. <laughs> no, 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 I got a shit in a bucket. <laughs> like, yeah. Let's take a giant fucking city into the ocean but then we have to revert back to the 1700s with like fucking chamber pots and shit so yeah so the second movie was that and then they found uh, an alien race that is their um their GPS system was fucking broken so they used their primitive ass technology to help the aliens and then the aliens were able to find their way home. And then wow. the third one was just... When your homie's tom-tom gets broken and you gotta skirt onto the fucking I-91 to help him out. <laughs> yeah. This was before MapQuest, bro. How the fuck... How are you an alien race and you traveled all the way out here but you didn't have a fucking way to find your way back? Yeah. Use the star charts, I'm bro. pretty sure anybody who's seen Xenon knows boom, boom, boom. <laughs> or zoom, zoom, zoom. Make yeah. my heart go boom, boom. My supernova, girl. That's, that's pretty... Camp cool. Rock. I've never seen Camp Rock. Uh, that was I, a little bit. That was I a hated, lot. That was a lot past your time, actually. Yeah, I hate. I well, I, I was still watching Disney Channel pretty heavily, but still. I was pretty into it, but they really lost me at like. <laughs> they really lost me. Lost me at Victoria. <laughs> Victoria was Nickelodeon. Was it? Fuck. Get dude, your stations right there. So, I mean, they were. I remember, dude. Okay. This is really sad. I watched a lot of television as a kid. Okay. And I actually don't watch that much stuff now. I watch more movies than anything because I work at the uh, movie theater. But I... This was before, like, you had a really good comprehensive guide. This is when you actually had to switch through the channels and memorize the channels. And we had Dish or AT&T or something, whatever the provider was. I remember there was an announcement one day because my three favorite were Nickelodeon, uh, fucking Disney and Cartoon Network. I remember when they switched it so that Nickelodeon and Disney were back to back. It used to be they used to be like five channels apart. Oh yeah. Cartoon Network was still like fifty eight or something, but then Nickelodeon and Disney were back to back forty three forty four. So I only had to switch between two channels and then go to the last, like click the last button to go to Cartoon Network. I was straight surfing like a fucking pro to get to each of those channels. So whenever the commercials come on for Gak or fucking fucking um you, you moon was, shoes. You was, yeah, you <laughs> I was, was able to skirt that app. advertisement, yeah. bro. Yeah. That was before TiVo or anything. I love that. Dude, with my fucking when you turn on the television, if you get too close and your hair starts to stick up, it's like <laughs> And you like taste the static in your mouth when you did it gets uh-huh. dude I memories but yeah I mean I loved those like original no like uh, Luck of the Irish remember that one that's a good movie a racist yeah. but you know he turned into a leprechaun <laughs> yeah Whatever. fucking the Irish wasn't that kid potato an factory <laughs> wasn't that an X-Men kid what? I don't know the Luck of the Irish kid the ginger found out that his 
ancestry was leprechauns. Yeah. Who fucked a leprechaun? <laughs> or who got fucked by a leprechaun? <laughs> You're not my dad. You're not my dad. You're not my leprechaun. You're not my put my paw, daddy. <laughs> uh, yeah. And they got like really indigenous. You know what was really weird is so his best friend was black and then the, his love interest was I guess Native American or hinted that was she was Native American. So at the very end you had this kind of like potluck you know Sing old luck. Yeah. <laughs> sing along. Luck of the Irish. It's sing along. Um, oh yeah, and of course, because it was such a high concept movie, this they made. Is my land. Well, no, not even. That. Oh, I forgot that that too. Yeah. But that they made the kid whose ancestry was a leprechaun a basketball player. So it's like, and comic relief ensues. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. God, uh, Larry Bird. Dude, instead of like. <sighs> Maybe, more maybe like Larry Bird. Yeah, maybe, maybe the director was a, a Celtics fan. Maybe, oh, dude, probably. Uh, no, but instead of like, instead of like, um, you're a wizard, Harry. It's like you're a leprechaun, Larry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, do you know those Jennifer Aniston's first movie was Leprechaun? Uh, the horror uh, movie about a leprechaun. That was like fucking hate that movie. That was Jennifer have Aniston for no space. No shot. You ever ever seen uh, Leprechaun in the Hood? No. In the Hood. In the Hood. Oh Dude, there's some God. choice. There's some choice music from there. <laughs> Extremely racist. But, like I'm not even mean to say that. Like just a cursory. Like oh, it was racist. Like it was basically like, yeah, it's very bad. It's just like, it was very bad. Yeah. <laughs> just a bad movie. It's is, it is bad. Leprechauns in Space was comically hilarious. I mean, they had Jason in Space. Or, like, Jason X, which was, oh, like, Jason. Jason in Space. They're coming out with yet another Halloween movie, by the way, on Halloween. Is it still directed by Rob Zombie? I don't think so. Because the last two were directed by Rob Zombie. The first one was good, but then the second one kind of pulled out of the the realism of Michael Myers. Because Michael well, Myers, out of the top three from Jason, Freddy, and, you know, Halloween, Mike, you know, Myers, yeah. um, Halloween's my favorite in terms of... It's probably the most realistic. It is. That's why I like it. Because he's not so like much. a creature from the lagoon. It's just like a psychopath from like yeah. a psychopath family. I mean, even Jason was really like realistic to a certain degree didn't he like come from the lake or something it was not his lore well yeah it was you know he, he supposedly lake. drowned and but in reality he kind of did not die and he, because in in the end of the first one um the the main protagonist was like oh he's he's still out there he's he's not dead he's he's in the lake um so it, it brings in the, it brings it mixes in a little bit of myth and a little bit of reality mm. um, to be like oh he he is he, you know he's part of the lake uh, air quotes air quotes on this audio only he's he's part of the lake um, but in reality he's just he's just another human being but then as he's the just movies one progress of us, really yeah he, at, he is really one of us you look behind that hockey mask Mr Voorhees he, but the trailer for this new one looks pretty cool pretty edgy yeah. but they have Jamie Lee Curtis coming back is he the one that Jamie Lee Curtis is a girl a oh. woman not a girl she's from the original Halloween she was like the oh yes yes the yes. woman that she, he was like following and in this one he, she's like cause he's in a mental institution and it shows it shows this extreme wide shot of him just like chained up without his mask mm-hmm. but it's so far away and so kind of like turned so that you, you don't see, see his face, face. Yeah, it's kind of fucked up it's a little, a little scary kind of like an ode to that scene from Actually, Red Dragon you keep talking I'm gonna look this up yeah from Red Dragon or was it Red Dragon yes Red Dragon with 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 who played the Hulk first who, what was his name 
tip of my tongue and the top of my teeth. The, like, the most recent? No, the very first Hulk was played by Edward Norton. That's who it was. The Jewish bagel from Sausage Party. Uh, Edward Norton. Um, that's, that's kind of his voice. But yeah, Edward Norton was in Red Dragon, which was a prequel to Silence of the Lambs with uh, uh, Anthony Hopkins still. Sir Anthony Hopkins. Uh-huh. Um, and it's kind of like an ode to that scene. Where there was a scene where, uh, you know, Detective Graham was trying to get the most out of out of uh, Hannibal Lecter and Hannibal Lecter had a, like a little walker he's like it's my daily exercise and it was like this caution red like elliptical mm-hmm. and he was on a runner with handcuffs and so he would walk along the outside and he would get a little too close like Hannibal Lecter would draw him in a little bit and then he would bite after him and then oh. and then because he had if you look it's a giant hanger and uh-huh. he's got this runner like a dog does but it's drawn out like how far he could reach mm-hmm. and so he'll draw him in he'll like lure him into the conversation and he gets the detective closer and then he like gets after him he's like Hey, I fuck you. Like, I can still get at you. Even if you think you're safe, I got you. Yeah. Yeah, so let's let's do a trailer breakdown as you're watching it. Okay. Oh, yeah, so it opens with these kids trick-or-treating on Halloween, and it pans up to show Michael Myers with his mask. Okay, r- real quick pause. What I love about the progression of the, the Halloween movies is as it... As I was young and watching the old ones, I hated how far out the mask was pulled out from him. And so as the progression of the movies got more modern and better budgeted, somebody finally figured out, he was like, you know what, I think he'd look more aesthetically, like, scary if his fucking mask just, like, fitted to his face completely instead of the neck flap being all out. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, the (laughs) neck flap. I fucking hated that. I'm glad they fixed that one thing. Yeah, so okay. he's walking up to this building, and there's narration from Jamie Lee Curtis's character. Jamie Lee Curtis, she was in the H two O, right? The really bad Halloween. H two O, probably. I'll know if they if they show Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, and then he grabs a hammer off of a tool bench. Oh, where's where's your 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 big knife? That's the one I like. Oh, and then he's walking to this woman's kitchen. Oh, and. And she screams. She has screamies. Oh, okay. oh, there's the big knife. And he gets a kitchen knife off the table. He and picked he that walks up like, outside. He picked that up like he was a fucking a GTA character. <laughs> the fucking polygon rendering. <laughs> <laughs> fucking CJ, you're back in the hood. It's good to see you, brother. Like how it always starts like that. Uh, ooh, that was good. I... Yeah. Oh! Then, oh, he's behind you. See, Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Maybe that's not who she is. It'll probably say in the end credits. But she's, like, ready for him. That's what this one is now. She wants him to get out. Because she can't wait to get him again. She can't wait to, like, get the revenge on him. You have no security system, Karen. Mom, you need help. Evil is real. Oh, man. It's one of those storylines of, like... Oh, and those are teeth. He drops teeth into a stall and comes and gets the girl. Dude, fucking classic song. Yeah. The the theme music of Jason, like, it's kind of like an ode. Not really an ode. Maybe it's more of like... Jamie Lee Curtis is like Sarah Connors now. Dude, she is. The Sarah Connors of Halloween. She's like the Sigourney Weaver from, like, Aliens. Yeah. Oh, Mamma Mia. Yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis. Okay, cool. I wasn't wrong. But he will be killed tonight. Yeah, dude. Fucking intense. That's revenge story but it's uh, it's that classic plot like nobody believes her she's just paranoid but she knows that she's right and you know that she's right Ooh. kill him Get got him. him got team 
I'm super excited about this. When's this coming out? Halloween, Halloween bro. Whatever it's called, Halloween. What the fuck? That's like a song called being called Christmas. And you're like, when does it come out? Fucking Flag Day. <laughs> Comes out on fucking Arbor Day, bro. But yeah, it's exciting. I love, you know, after watching Hereditary, I realize I appreciate, I mean, the jump scares have really been just kind of beaten into the ground. Like, the silent cranking up of tension and like you knowing something's gonna happen and they don't let you pay it off is even fucking scarier like you're like come on just fucking jump scare already so the jump scare is like a release of tension it's like, yeah oh. i saw hereditary and i, Dude, I actually i didn't ever seen. get it for for most of its big picture yeah you have to uh, study like theology afterwards yeah. just to figure out what the plot was my, my girlfriend simplified it as if you've seen rosemary's baby you'll understand hereditary it's kind of it's kind of like Rosemary's Baby in Reverse, though. Yeah. Because what happened was they dropped clues, and I think people thought it was kind of disparate and made no sense, and people were kind of, like, uncomfortable because they didn't understand it. But basically the plot was there was a spirit that needed to be born, like, this grandmother, this really fucking creepy grandmother who just recently passed at the beginning of the film, she was part of a secret cult in that town, and she basically ran that town with this cult, and they would carry out rituals and they had their own like a little illuminati shit they they worship the devil they worship satan and so there was a prophecy of a soul being born out of these sacrifices out of these rituals and that it had to be a man and so um they she had a daughter instead and so she kind of resent the grandmother resented the mother of our main character or for a certain time our main character resented the mother for having a daughter you know the first son was it had to be a specific lineage and the son didn't fit the 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 model and the only other child that had was this daughter but she needed to find that spirit needed to be put into a man's body and so that's why she was dropping hints of always like, oh, I wish she had another son. I wish she never had, you know, so-and-so or whatever. And so the whole process in the movie was trying to get that girl's soul into another body. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of like guided things with the asthma attack or the, the nut allergy, which was so fucked, dude. Like, yeah. at the party, because at first, remember when she was chopping the nuts and stuff like that? Remember mm-hmm. from the trailer when they cut that into, like, the intensity of it? When they were chopping the nuts, at first I was like, oh, is this just to be, like, edgy and scary? And then I was like, oh, wait, she's got the nut allergy, and they're using the same knife to cut the cake, which was so, like, it seemed on the nose after the fact, but in the moment I didn't realize what they were doing. I thought that was just adding to the intensity. Yeah. And it was, like, the awkwardness of siblings, and it was, like, this raw, what I called it was, like, a domestic thriller. Like, it was so, it was so personal and sad and tragic because it was such a small little isolated moment of, like, a family falling apart at the seams where she was like, I never want, like, dude, when the mom was like, I never wanted to have you, and then covered her mouth right afterwards, I was like, oh, "Oh my God, dude, it was just so tense, dude. I'm literally getting goosebumps right now thinking about it, dude. And she was just talking about how she never wanted kids, and her mom was guiding all of her decisions, because the mom was trying to carry out these satanic rituals with her daughter, bro. It was fucked. Little did she know. Dude, I know. And then just how silent everything was, and in the corner, and the thing that scared the most at me was, like, when she saw her mother in the dark... Oh. And it was it, the the whoever the cinematographer was and the editor jo- did a fucking great job because this scene was the mother of the of the little girl. Uh, I wish we had names because this is like going back and forth with references. The mother does miniatures and she has a little studio in her attic, and and she turned off the lights and in the dark she thought she saw something and as the audience we were looking at a dark corner. 
And I don't know if they faded in an image or they did a matte or if it was always there. Mm. But it was kind of like Lights Out, that short where there's a silhouette in the dark. But when you turn on the lights, there's nothing there, which is yeah. even scarier. Actually, wait. Let, let's see if it shows right here in the trailer. Where, another trailer. Dude, even the trailer is fucking scary to me, dude. So, okay. I'm going to pause it. An interesting thing is... So, the mom makes miniatures. Yeah. And I guess the way they did the camera play made the whole house itself feel like you were also in a miniature Yeah, that's called a uh, tilt shift. A tilt, tilt shift is when you make... Uh, you've probably seen this in, like, the... Do- uh, not Doctor Who. Sherlock Holmes. Or, sure, they just call it Sherlock on BBC. The intro where they make a very small point of focus. Because what they're trying to do is mimic the idea of a... Um, on the scale of a miniature, when you have a camera, the way the, the lens plays, mm-hmm. it makes there's it looks a specific way. You can kind of tell in stop motion animation that it's uh, that it's not a real live set because there's some um, arbitrations or, or artifacts of the lens that make you know that you're this you know that you're up very close to an image as opposed to being far away. Yeah. But with the house, you can use a little post production, a little lens work. If you're using the right lens, you can make a large landscape psychologically feel like a small one because you kind of have an idea of what miniature photography looks like. Mm. And so your brain kind of just associates the focus in the area, the tilt focus or the tilt shift, sorry, with that of a miniature set yeah. of getting such a small uh, field of vision. But yeah. Not to get off too too much on track, one time I was on Tumblr and this artist made uh, a 20 by one scaled penny and took photos of objects next to it and it really fucked with you because before you didn't know that you just thought it was a penny next to miniature mm-hmm. items but when they say it then you're like holy shit it because you you're yeah. convinced it that it's, it's pennies next to miniature items you not have no a reason big to ass think, penny yeah. next to regular size items yeah you have no reason to think that it should be that way like that you just assume you see a penny you assume small and so you're like wow it's really cool they made a miniature coke bottle like that mm-hmm. okay so yeah back. so now we're watching the hereditary trailer and so it, pan, it dollies into a miniature house, which actually turns out to be a real house, and then pedestals down to, of course, E24. Fucking pumping out of movies. And then it's the eulogy of the grandmother's daughter, and her, the mother's daughter in the front. Oh, dude. Private woman, so she's definitely doing rituals. <laughs> Dude, and then the, the, the switching of day to night, like uh-huh. perfect match shots. And the way they edit this trailer, and of course I'm going to be spoiling this, but the way they edit this trailer hides so many important plot points. Just kind of like Gone Girl and Get Out, where you have such huge mid-act shifts where you literally do not see them coming because you don't expect them to be make story turns like that because it doesn't allude to that. It makes it seem like in the trailer that some characters are there throughout the entire movie. But then obviously you lose, well not obvious to you, that's why it's so cool, you lose someone in the trailer, you lose someone in the movie, you're like, whoa, didn't see that coming and it's like a genuine shock because you thought they were there for the whole time. But it's also because it's such an abstract and weirdly non-linear story anyways. Yeah. She was a very difficult woman, which... Oh, that's what happened. Oh, my God. That's... Yeah. I recognize you from your mother. There's such a creepy thing, dude. All Sometimes these rituals. Oh, I, I think it's right here. Oh, it. No. That's not it. Dude, the worst part was in the studio. That... They don't even show the worst part of it. She isn't born. Yeah, that's probably a little bit of it. But, dude, when, he's, when she's on the ceiling and she starts to get more and more abusive or more and more, like creepy mm-hmm. and like the acetone when she's like scree- when she's arguing with her kid and they're going back and forth with the close up shots yeah and 
the close-up shots of them, they get like more sweaty and sweaty, but then you realize it's not sweat, that it's like acetone on them. At the end. Oh. Oh, that, yeah, that's really... Do you know he actually smashed his face into an actual desk? Oh, really? So, he wanted to be a method actor. We're talking about Nate Wolf. Oh, and also the... Clip. I love that. That was that's a great... such a cool effect. Yeah, the apparition of, like, light traveling through the hallway to make the ghostly appearance of it mm-hmm. was, like, very clever, especially because how they directed it at the end. But the very, very end, when she was sawing her own head off, and it was just this still shot, and it just... is fucking creepy dude and he's like hail Amanatus or whatever the fucking <laughs> satanic like <laughs> but yeah I mean in the hereditary uh, trailer they were showing like this this apparition but what was I saying before about the the, the fucking oh Nat, Nat Wolf so he he told the director he's like look if I only have to do this once kind of like Michael B. Jordan for Creed took a real punch at yeah. like 30% strength but still felt like he was in a car crash weeks afterwards because yep. they wanted to get that close up they didn't want to use a stunt double they didn't want to use CGI he's like throw that punch roll the camera get it on the first shot so I don't have to do this again and they show have you seen the behind the scenes yeah I've seen it he's, he's like one too, and then they knock him out and then you actually see him getting knocked out Dude, which is insane that's, that's just fucking for real so for the scene of Nat Wolf and they do you know hear cool stories about this too with Tom Cruise jumping the building and actually fracturing his ankle when he tried jumping the building because he did it for real you know uh, Nate Wolf or Nat Wolf I forgot what the fuck his name is the naked, one of the naked brothers from the naked brother <laughs> which you know it's crazy because then the other one was in Paper Towns whatever um, he wanted to be a method actor and really slam his face into a desk and the director's like, we, we can't fucking do that, dude. Like, and then at the end of the, like, towards the end of shooting, or beginning of shooting, he's like, okay, look, you can do it. We put a rubber mat there for you so that you can, you know, you, you can actually hit, or, you know, what, what did he say? He said, yeah, we put a rubber mat there so you, you're protected, so you can actually go full hog on this one and just slam your head into the desk. Um, so you really get that, that feeling like you're, you know... So you don't have to, it doesn't look like you're hesitating or whatever. And he's like, okay, cool. That's awesome. But they didn't have a rubber mat there because the director was like, okay, look, he wanted to do method. I'm doing method. But he didn't want to tell him that it was going to be a hard surface because he's, he's like, okay, the actors wants to be committed. So he was, he was on this. He came to me to do that. And you know, I'm, I'm going to allow him to do that. But then he's going to pretend like, oh, I'm trying to protect you. I'm trying to protect you. But really try to really actually fulfilling the actor's wish from the very beginning. So that's like his actual blood yeah. oh wow because he was like okay he wants to do this for real let's tell him that he's safe so he goes hard and then actually not keep him safe technically in that situation and I think he like, broke his nose actually in the, the situation <laughs> he, he slams his face at the desk yeah oh, dude the nuts chopping dude when she was on the ceiling bro when she was on the fucking ceiling I just don't Oh my god. Uh, it doesn't show that scene. No, it doesn't. That was when the spirit goes into her. Because the spirit was showing of like passing from like person to person. And so like they needed to get the soul into the, into the sun. Because the sun was going to be actually like the rightful heir to it all. Mm-hmm. As it were. Do the ants crawling over her head? Bro. No, but my the, the so the, the the scene I was telling so talking about about the grandmother hidden in the shadows. I don't know if they use a mixture of cinematography or obviously they use a mixture of both, but mm-hmm. you don't notice there's anything there at first. So you're really staring, you're really looking for something in the shadows. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you realize you've been looking at the figure of a woman the whole time, 
And that's the scariest part. Not a jump scare, but the reality that you've just been staring at this this demon the whole time. You're like, oh, oh my god. And then right when you notice, it's almost like they, they, they did test of this and figured out right when you would figure out there's this figure there. Then the figure fades into the shadow and she flips the light on. And you mm-hmm. freak out too because you're like expecting her to be there. And you're like, oh my god. And her not being there is even worse. Yeah, I'm trying to see if I can fucking find it. And then towards the end... When the mother is like the demon now, and mm-hmm. she's up in the fucking, um, when she's up in the rafters behind her son, and the son turns around, and you don't hear her skirt away, but you just see her float oh, away. Oh, just. Oh my god, oh, I, dude. I, I'm motioning the, like, crawling away. Yes, dude. She's crawling on the ceiling, but you don't hear it, and you don't, it's you just, it's just like wind, dude. It's so yeah. fucking creepy. And then she just floats, like, headless up to the up to the or she just floats up to the the what's it called the 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 tree house cuts her head off dude dude this shit's insane man i gotta rewatch the movie because it was good and i do like movies it's it's when uh, i hate the the jump scares the cheap ones mm-hmm. at least. Uh, i don't like them because like fake animal jump scares are probably the most common in like old horror and stuff like that where yeah. like a, a raccoon comes out of the woods like oh and then, like Jason's fine <laughs> so yeah so is it, they just did a really good job it, I, I like the eeriness of it that's what I really liked about it yeah, I mean, it's it, just, it, it just made you really uncomfortable yes and it it and just they, made you want to get to the next scene and not shit your pants. And they plant this, the tiniest little, like, and towards the end it just kept cranking, cranking, cranking to not relieve the tension with any jump scares or anything. And then it just went full bore, like, intensity at the very end, like, back-to-back, like, insanity bullshit. Oh, my God, it was insane to just watch all the way to the end. It's like, it just went full throttle. Like, when she threw the book in the fucking fire and her husband was oh, the one yeah. that fire. What the that fuck? That fucking threw me off so hard because I, I forgot why it It was happened. a sympathetic ritual response, which is from my anthropology class, humble brag, where it's supposed to mean that when you enact something onto an item, it enacts an attribute or action to a, a, a figure or a thing in the real world. Kind of like a voodoo doll, as it were. And so the book, when she was trying to burn the book, she felt herself being burned. And meanwhile, through this whole movie, the husband just sees how torn apart his wife is and after losing their child spoiler alert to a beheading after she already lost her mother and so she's so distraught so she thinks she's crazy the craziest part for me was the seance was when she tried getting her whole family together for the seance yeah, when she was yeah. shown and she was such a non-believer of spiritual stuff just like supernatural yeah, stuff that was a jump start to it was because that. then it's just like you think you're in the real world and then all of a sudden you're like whoa now we're dealing with magic mm-hmm. and it was just so accepted it was just like be calm it's okay hey we're communicating with spirits and she was so light about it mm-hmm. she was so like oh, it's gonna be okay it's gonna be whatever but then she starts interacting and there's like darker stuff behind her side of the family and so it's like Bro. Whoa. And everyone started freaking out. I was like, stop. Like, like the son was so distraught. And I felt so bad for the son the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like, in the middle of this, like, he's the one who killed his sister. Like, yeah. didn't know that was... Uh, Innocent bystander. Dude, and he was so, like... Oh my god! When he, when there was at the dinner table or whatever, and they were just over broccoli or whatever, he's like, I, you know, I, we're morning too. Like, when he's like, I never fucking wanted you, and oh my god, Jeez, it's so, it was so raw, dude. That's the performances were just so 
Intense. Yeah, they didn't, like, craft their words well. It, not saying it was bad writing. It was just, like, it wasn't anything special or anything too flowery. It was just, like, it was there. It was all in the performance, really, for me. Yeah. You know, it's um, an, another movie that I liked ah. that... I think I think they used jump scares a little bit more appropriately was uh, Sinister. Mm. Have you ever seen Sinister? Mm. It's, it's essentially the boogeyman. Yeah, man, I thought it was, I thought it was something else, but it, I was uh, thinking of Insidious, not Sinister. T- another trailer. This is just a trailer podcast. I gotta right pee, now. actually. I'll oh, go for it. Up. I'm probably going to cut around this. Or... We'll just leave it under there. Yes, you got Yes, spooked out. It's straight ahead. Don't worry about it. But yeah, but for Sinister, I really liked their use of jump scares that weren't as obvious, but they they still got you nonetheless. Some of them were obvious, but even when you knew they were coming, they were still scary. Even especially with their their use of characters and their character setup for who the antagonist was, who in another word was just the boogeyman. I thought did a really good job scaring the crap out of you. How do you talk mac and cheese? stuff on ebay i know fucking someone someone bid on my mowgli there's your boy watchers anyways what are we watching uh sinister sinister oh we gotta go through oh, you're gonna have to like cut yeah i was no i was quiet for, for oh, most okay. of the time you were gone it's chill Unless you want to sponsor us. <laughs> Always have a Panera bowl at the beginning of each episode. Yeah, fucking smack my lips. So we're watching the sinister trailer. Whoop. Oh. Yeah. It's always a kill a whole family kind of thing. But th- this one's way more fucked up. Really? Yeah. Ethan Hawk. Ethan Hawk is family. Ethan Hawk's in the attic. There's one box up there. He opens the box. There's film reels. And a film projector. That's the family who lived here. Oh, and it's the family who lived there. Oh, and it shows them being hung. Uh, you think these are serial murders? I don't know. First one I found dates back to the 60s. Whoa. 
Oh, cool. That's fucked up. Oh, and he's in the fucking, uh, he's in the pool. Oh, now he's showing up in all the pictures. Oh, and he's in the fucking... Bagul actually lived in the images themselves and that they were gateways into his realm. Oh bro, he's in your fucking house, bro. Children Damn, that is fucked up. Especially vulnerable to Bagul's abductions. So what are you doing? Painting. I wanted to paint her picture. Who are you talking about? Stephanie. She's Why is he a British wife? Oh, it's Bagul, bro. Damn, Ethan Hawke's such a good actor. Oh, Babu's there. Damn, dog. Dude, that's like that's like um, what's, what's that? that's like the ring kind of, but you know, it was living through the image. Yeah, but it's even cooler. No, you, you should definitely watch it. It's a really good movie. Uh, not, not to spoil anything to, for you, but how it works in the movie, uh, I mean, obviously, as they explained it in, in the trailer, so the Bogul picks a kid, and you don't really see the Bogul. You know, he's just... He just... He, he knows what kid he wants next. And then the kids he's consumed in the past go to that current child and then tell tell the kid what they need to do in order for... It's like a recruitment. Be... Yeah, exactly. Damn, yeah. dogs. Join our Bill Gould. <laughs> Dude, have you seen the movie Creep? No. It's a found footage movie. It's really interesting. It's kind of like... Um... Wait, is that one with the, the multiple surveillance cameras all over the no. house? Okay, never mind. Maybe, I think that was actually called surveillance. No. Oh, yeah. Well, Creep was about, it's just like a found footage of this, like, this amateur videographer guy who answered a Craigslist ad. I actually know what you're talking about. Yeah, dude. Keep, I, and I how it unfolds is, like, super creepy in the very end. Have mm. you seen it, the very end? I have not. You should watch the end. It's very, like, e very eerie in that way, because it's found footage. You're like, well, how did he get there? It's like, oh, he's showing off his collection. But uh, we were talking about Jason and... And Freddy and all these things. Yeah. Two movies that I love. Two hor horror movies that I love because they're like meta horror is uh, the Behind the Mask. And I forgot the subtitle of the movie, but it's Behind the Mask um, and Cabin in the Woods. Cabin in the Woods was hilarious. I love Cabin in the yeah, Woods. Yeah, because it just knocks on all the tropes and it actually <laughs> gives like a structure to why the stories are all the same all the time, which is pretty mm -hmm. clever. But Behind the Mask was this movie I just found in the obscure... It was a news reporter doing a piece on a local legend who was actually a serial killer. And he was like an amalgam of Jason and uh, Mike Myers and all these different things. And what it did was it gave an explanation of why he was able to survive. Because she thought, oh, he was just disrupting the town. She thought it was like a, a tall tale, but then she realized like he was actually a killer. And she was showing him the methods of how he killed. And of course the virgin can or cannot stay alive at the end, just like in Cabin in the Woods. That's kind of like the rule. It's like the virgin stays alive. Um, and he was showing all the different methods of how he survived stuff. How he covered himself in burn gel, so that if he was ever thrown in a fire, 
you know, he would survive. So it was kind of explaining all these different things, you know, breath control for drowning. Yeah. And, like, um, he, the stuff that he covered himself with burn gel was also, like, a super healing, too. So if he got cut or stabbed or whatever, it showed that it would keep it healed and it would clot up the blood really quick or whatever. Oh, so it was giving, like, explanations for the supernatural shit that it kept happening, but it kept unfolding as the movie went on. And he was good at um, escape artistry. So it showed how he could get out of a situation really quick. And so that explained how, you know, these these things seem these creatures these weird supernatural humanoid things seem to just disappear out of nowhere and then just come up behind you you know what i mean and like you know seemingly like always walking but then like run in between and then like catch you on the next one yeah um you know or just like put themselves in situations and then it's kind of like the behind the scenes so imagine a scary move uh, a scary scene like there's one of like a waitress at this diner she's going out to take the trash out and he like pulls the stop on the door to close it behind her because mm-hmm. he set up a string that would go to the door and he pulled a little stop that would close it behind her and so she had to like knock on the door and then someone would answer but if you imagine it from her perspective she goes out and it's like creepy it's dark and then the door slams behind her and the camera whips behind to see nothing and then maybe turns around and sees the guy behind her like that but it shows him grooming his victims and setting them up to be more and more scared as time goes on mm. closing the door behind them showing up at their house and then disappearing you know what I mean and then it finally shows like him actually killing stuff and the camera guys are like whoa this is like real now like what the fuck like we thought this was just a guy fucking around and then they get killed and like it just keeps going and going and it's the final face off with her and him and he's like this is what I always wanted like it's so fucking cool cause it's like you're watching him create his methods for killing people as if he were like Mike Myers or some shit like that. And this is called Creep? It's No, it's called Behind the Mask. Oh, Behind the Mask. Okay. Creep is the found footage one. Okay. And there's Creep 2 now on Netflix. Hmm. Same guy, but then he fought, he finds these girls who are like fucked up, hot topic, like <laughs> fangirls of his work. Yeah. He has a collection of all these different movies. That was the creepiest part of Creep was at the end he made like a follow-up video of like, oh, I really wish you could have seen this, you know, blah, 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 blah. He puts the, the video in a collection of other fucking videos that he's done creepy yeah but it's being creepy it's getting late yep I have to go home yeah I actually have to open tomorrow so damn dog I'm sorry to keep you up so late that's fine